This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. You are listening to the flagship podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. The fucking sun sucks. I don't know what you people see in the sun. I don't know how you people do the sun. It's it's just the dirt worst. I want nothing to do with it. I'd be content never going out in the sun again. And Rich Crage. It's the dumbest show. I cannot believe it. People pay, some people pay us $10 to listen to the show live. This is what we've given them we, for 45 we minutes. Been doing this for 10 years. Why? Ever bigger than ever. More people listen to us than ever. Than ever. Why? And we are live on the flagship podcast. I am Rich, but there is no Joe Lanza on the other end. Joe is vacationing on a beach, believe it or not, even though he hates the sun. Uh, But don't worry, I don't think he spent any time outside. Uh, But in Joe's place, I scoured the Lone Star State and found a suitable Texas replacement. It is Aaron Quinn. Aaron, how are you? Rich, I am doing fabulous. Thank you for letting me on the flagship. I don't know how I pulled this off. Years of tweeting and replying has led to this moment and a pretty transparent play to not have to think about another time zone. So um, thanks for having me on. uh, Honestly, Aaron, 60% is just like, hey, good. Aaron's in Texas, so we don't have to worry about changing times and getting screwed up. And I could just say 7.30, and you know what 7.30 is, the real time zone, uh, the central time zone. But uh, Aaron, yes, thank you for joining us uh, in place of Joe this week. Uh, We're going to have a great, great show. We have some fun stuff planned, some fun little segments, uh, in addition to breaking down all the latest news and everything going on uh, in the world of wrestling. I want to first say, if you want to follow Aaron on Twitter, uh, even though I don't know why you still have Twitter, but if you still have Twitter for some reason, uh, at Miss Aaron Quinn is how you can do that uh, to follow Aaron there. And Aaron, I believe, so this is your first time, obviously, on the flagship. I forget, Did you ever do a guest appearance on Everything Elite? I forget if you actually did or not. <laughs> Surprisingly not. Oh, those jerks. <laughs> Unbelievable. I thought you did. Um, are you are you kidding? You never did? No, never once. Oh. No, no. Invite got lost despite, in the mail, I guess. So. Despite, a, yeah, I assume. Um, <laughs> no, I am a one-time five-star match game champion. Oh, you were a cha- uh, Oh, what, 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 uh, what game did you win? I don't remember that. It was a WCW-related, I think. I Makes think. sense. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Um, I think it was some sort of early '90s WCW on brand. Um, <laughs> that definitely makes it checks out uh, for sure. We'll have, we'll have Joe check that out, uh, Joe Gagney, and he can uh, let us know. Um, so yes, you have appeared on the Voice Wrestling Podcast Network uh, before, but this is your first time on the flagship. So there's probably a lot of new people uh, that uh, have not. Uh, maybe they've seen you on Twitter. Maybe they've seen you on the Discord or whatever. But uh, let's let's dive a little bit into your wrestling history first before we get into a little bit of uh, the news and everything else going on this week uh, in the world of wrestling. So let's start out first, Aaron. How the hell did you become a wrestling fan, and why are you still watching wrestling? What 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 is wrong in your life that has made you still as an adult? enjoy watching professional wrestling oh, uh never-ending sadness um <laughs> right. it's gotta be something it can't be crippling depression <laughs> right. yes. 
Um, I the first the earliest memory I have, and I don't know why I didn't back out immediately, was Brutus the Barber Beefcake. I remember flipping through the channels when I was eight years old and seeing Brutus the Barber Beefcake throw a clothesline. It seemed like a very effective form of fighting, and I was curious, and I never stopped. And so um, from there, I quickly discovered the WCW, um, because this would have been around Clash 10 was the first WCW show I ever watched. And then the first WWF pay-per-view I ever purchased was, I believe, WrestleMania 7. And so ever since then, it's been a slow descent. Um, clearly, I'm, I'm single, just so everyone knows. Put two and two together. <laughs> and it stuck. And um, I dressed up as Sting in the first grade. And I had many Royal Rumble birthday parties. There it is. And... I indeed, in college, I took a coworker out on a date. And when we went back to my place, we went downstairs to the basement because I was living with my aunt. And when we opened the door on the bed, is this our free content already? What are you doing here? Hold on. <laughs> no, trust okay, me, it's not. I was like, oh god, it's <laughs> not. Man, we're we're just ten minutes in. Slow down. Okay, so I opened the door and surprisingly, um, I had a WWF wrestling toy ring on my bed and multiple Attitude Era base figures. The night ended shortly after. <laughs> it did not turn into Hour 3 content as a result of <laughs> no. <laughs> the ring. Did you then go and have a great match after that? They like, screw that. I I don't need that. I, I got my figures. I, yeah, I had a great match with my notebook, my paper and pencil. Um, booking has always come naturally, of course. We'll get into that later. But, yeah, and that's how far wrestling has destroyed my life. <laughs> Fantastic. But uh, also brought you joy as well, uh, I, I, I'm assuming in some way, shape, or form. But, uh, yeah, for people that don't know, like, what, what kind of stuff do you... Uh, we, we've mentioned 90s WCW a bunch. That is obviously uh, one of your wheelhouses. Is there anything else that, you know, for people that don't know uh, about your wrestling fandom, other places that, you know, you, you found excitement in wrestling, places that have kind of kept you as a wrestling fan, uh, and, yeah, things that, uh, you know, today that, that, that still kind of excite you in the world of wrestling? Um... Currently, um, AEW 100% has reignited my fandom a little bit. I've been very much on the periphery of WWE. Watch the pay-per-views, fast-forward through the TV as quickly as humanly possible. Aside from the occasional, you know, what's T-Bar up to on main event? Gotta find Um... In the mid-90s, I started getting into ECW around early 95. Um, so I'm a pretty adept at that. Um, I was really into New Japan until COVID. And then um, I dropped off when Evil won the belt. Because that didn't interest me. And other than that, 
I was really into ROH. I remember being in um, Chicago the first time the Second City Saints won the tag titles. Um, so that was a great time. Ooh, I think we may have been in the same building uh, that night. I'm trying to remember. That was the man. Okay, I got to get my ROH. And God, it's not the five-star match game. The sh- What show was that? It was Reborn Stage 2. Yeah, okay. Re- okay. Oh, At- man. Whatever that building was, the Frontier Fieldhouse, of course. Yeah, and lovely Chicago original. Uh, was I at this show? Man, I think I was. There's a good chance that you and I uh, could have crossed paths at, at uh, ROH Reborn Stage Two, April 24th, 2004. Yeah, it definitely. Sound, I would have definitely been there for sure. So brilliant. That would be remembered as the night Matt Stryker almost won the um. <laughs> yes. All right. Against Samoa Joe, right? It was, I believe, that would have been the cap to his epic Field of Honor run. Yes. And um, for people listening, not that match striker, the other match striker, the one with the unibrow. <laughs> it's the one we're talking about here. So, um, I grew up in eastern Iowa, um, in Davenport, home of Seth Franklin Rollins. And um, as the second most famous resident of Davenport, Iowa, I would drive. You would have to go to Chicago for anything that wasn't WWE. And so I also remember going to um, Midwest Championship Wrestling for their tag team tournament on multiple occasions and Ring of Honor when possible. So those those were some of the best days of my fandom. Well, that's, uh, you know, I'm definitely glad then we're uh, going to talk because we're, we're doing the uh, recommend matches to each other gimmick uh, a little bit later in the show. And one of the ones I picked was a Ring of Honor show uh, or Ring of Honor match in 2007. And it, and. I have to tell you, watching that, it basically just was like, oh my god, I'm going to just watch Ring of Honor for the next like month straight, because it reignited all of those old feelings that I got at that time, going to those shows, going to the Frontier Fieldhouse, driving to the shows, and just that classic old Ring of Honor, and I'm glad that you were, were there, and hell, we may have uh, crossed paths at some point uh, during one of those Chicago Ridge shows over the years, so yeah, that is uh, really cool. So, uh, as you said, you're mostly AEW, uh, so we are going to talk AEW uh, tonight, we have a lot to get into about what's going on there. Obviously, CM Punk's injury, uh, the interim championship, also Forbidden Door, the kind of build uh, to that show coming up here in a few weeks. Uh, we're also going to touch on Hell in a Cell, the premium live event. You called them a pay-per-view earlier, and I don't know what that is or what the hell you're talking about here, because uh, this is a premium live event. Okay, Aaron? This is World Wrestling Entertainment's premium live event. I don't know what pay-per-view. I don't know what universe. <laughs> is that wrestling? That's maybe a wrestling thing. It's pay- but these are premium live events. But we're going to talk about the premium live event, Hell in a Cell. Uh, but mostly we're just going to talk about Cody's torn pack and <laughs> the torture porn of, of Cody on Sunday uh, wrestling with just a horrific injury and then the horrific pictures that have now followed uh, that, that match there. Uh, then we're going to touch briefly on New Japan's Dominion coming up this weekend. Uh, AEW New Japan Forbidden Door, as we mentioned, we'll, we'll touch on it from both ends, from New Japan's end uh, as well as AEW's end. And then finally, as I said, we we're going to do Rich and Aaron recommend matches to each other. We're going to dust off the old gimmick that Joe and I used to do. Uh, I brought it back with Suit when he filled in for Joe on one of other Joe's other recent vacations. A lot of vacations for that Joe Lanza guy these, these days. You know, I'm the I'm the guy with the gimmick. Oh, he goes on vacations. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I filled in. I've been filling in a lot for these Thursday tier reviews. A lot of guests on the flagship. I'm just saying. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. But uh, we're going to do the uh, uh, Rich and uh, Aaron recommend matches to each other. My two picks. Uh, my first one was from WCW Monday Nitro, April 19th, 1999. Blitzkrieg, Juventud Guerrera, Psychosis, and Rey Mysterio. Uh, so that is my first pick. My second pick is Brian Danielson versus Nigel McGuinness. We are on the anniversary of that show or that match happening, even though it aired months, months later. 
uh, on ROH pay-per-view. See, now that was a pay-per-view. That was not a premium live event. That was a pay-per-view ROH-driven. Uh, but June 9th, 2007 is when that match actually happened. So we're going to talk about that match. Uh, we've both watched it. We'll review it. Uh, and your picks were, the first one was Sabu versus Mikey Whipwreck from ECW Hardcore TV, uh, uh, number 101. Uh, that was on March 18th, 1995. And then your second pick, which is not a match, but goddamn, we're going to have a lot to talk about. Uh, issues 1 through 3 of Marvel's WCW comic, uh, from 1992, which at first I'm like, ah, okay. What, what? No, that is a Trevor Trevor. That is gold right there. So there is so much to get into uh, with the WCW Marvel comic from 1992. So it's not a match. Uh, it is a comic. But, uh, God, there is some great, great stuff that I cannot wait to touch on when we do uh, that, uh, that that segment later on in the show. But uh, uh, real quickly, before we actually get into the AEW stuff, I know you are also a member of, of, of Dew Nation, the Dew Crew, a Mountain Dew fiend as myself, right? This is one of the last sodas I will go out of my way to learn about. Um, tonight, I have cracked open Mountain Dew Spark, the um, rookie of the year for 2021 Dew. Delicious. Ooh, that's okay. So the rookie of the year 2021 Dew. Personally, I liked the, uh, forget what it was called now, the the yellow Baja one. the coconut, It was like the pina colada coconut one or whatever. Divisive. I get it. I get the coconut is not for everybody. But, man, that drink hit in the perfect spot for me. I loved that drink. So that, that's my pick for the Rookie of the Year uh, 2021. Uh, unfortunately, Ginger Snapped, not going to make it. Thrashed Apple, okay, but not going to make it. I was, uh, man, I forget what the, what the yellow one was called, but that is that is my Rookie of the Year. Spark was okay. Spark was okay, but... Uh, didn't quite hit the, uh, the, 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 the target demo that, that I liked. So Baja Flash is the one that I'm talking about here. Baja Flash is the one I liked. So I don't think I had that one. I did have the Rocks Pina Colada flavored energy drink a few days ago. But <laughs> Is that a thing? <laughs> the Rock? Yeah. Did I just learned that the Rock has an energy drink? What is this called? Um, it's spelled something like O-U-A or something like that. Huh. Um, and it has a wild orange, okay. a regular, which I assume means tastes like Red Bull, a wild berry, which is the blue flavor, the aforementioned pina colada, and then a peach flavor. <laughs> Fucking rock. That man, he will not stop until we just consume, just, just from morning to night, we just consume rock things, like rock-related things, you know what I mean? Like, you can't stop. He still has his tequila, I think. He's got the fucking, he's got an energy drink. I'm looking at this now. It's Z-O-A, but is it pronounced something weird? It's got to be something, pronounced something weird, right? It, it can't just be Z-O-A. It's got to be something else. Like, Zoa? Zoa? <laughs> I don't know. Biting off the uh, Iowa uh, Independent Company, Zoa here. Yeah, I have no clue, but... Uh, I'm sure it'll make him billions of dollars and he'll be even richer than he was before. So congratulations to him. It, so. it is a great way to fund the presidential campaign of one Dwayne. <laughs> Honestly, at this point, whatever, you know. Sure, Somebody asked not? me about that and I was like, nah, I, I, you know what? Yeah, fine. Whatever. <laughs> you know, sure. Yeah, why not? Like, we've, already, we've already gone down this rabbit hole. The Rock's fine. Who cares? I mean, it, it's he would he would mandatory cod every day, which I think is good for all of us. It's just mandatory. You must eat cod every day. Uh, mandatory workout times. I, I, I think this is all. I, I think there's there's things that could definitely work with a Rock ticket uh, for for the president. So yeah, I'm looking at this. Uh, uh, so is it good? I, I forgot to ask. Is the Zoa Z O A pineapple coconut? Is it good or or is it horrible? It's, I think if you're into that flavor, I think it will hit the spot. Okay. Um, I tried the white peach recently, which 
the ad has this wonderful Photoshop of the rock with the uh, uh, lay around his neck. I'm on the official Zoa Energy. <laughs> of course, of course. Right? Um, and the the white peach is very delicious. I'm now very intrigued by the pre workout. I don't work out surprisingly, so I wonder if I can still drink this. But this has the um, pineapple passion fruit, mandarin orange grapefruit, blackberry acai. Oh, oh! We're not just a- this guy. I'm gonna get this guy to pay us here. <laughs> this is a big plug for this energy drink. So. Uh- yeah, hopefully we get that. Now, you can still have pre-workout even if you don't work out. It just, you know, gets you a little tingly and, and fired up or whatever. So you're good. Yeah, yeah, don't worry. You don't work out from that stuff. I I will take it on, on car rides. If I have a very long car ride, I will take some pre-workout, and I'm, I'm good to go for uh, a little bit. So the note of chat room, a few people telling us that Zoa, not bad, uh, to be honest. So I will have to try this uh, this rock energy drink. Thank you for letting me uh, know about this. See, and now there was a long time where I didn't have any soda at all. And then I decided that, like, for Flagship Patreon, I was just going to drink, like, gimmicks to Mountain Dews. And now there's so many of them. And now I'm just drink- I'm just drinking Mountain Dew right now. Like, why am I drinking this Mountain Dew right now? I have a Typhoon. I'm drinking another one of the Typhoons. They're too good. Now I have a whole case of these fucking things that I got to drink now. still have a bunch of thrashed apple if anybody wants it. It's at my house, too. So, um, there you go. But I-, I believe you have recently ordered the Typhoon. It's on the way. Is that correct? Well, that was uh, a bit of a switch. Oh, no. Um, I did not pull the trigger. I sat there, but then I got distracted by something else I wanted more, and I'll have to buy the, um, what's the flavor that I'm buying? Oh, it came back. Everyone likes it. That flavor. I will buy it, but not till payday. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, uh, yeah, I will, Um, I will, I will have a, uh. A delicious Mountain Dew Typhoon in in, in, in your spirit here uh, as we go uh, on. But uh, yeah, that's uh, uh, that's is our, our brief Mountain Dew uh, excursion here. A, a member, a fellow no- and a member of Dew Nation uh, and the uh, the Dew Crew. Uh, you have to be a Dew Nation HQ member, obviously, to get some of these gimmicky uh, great things here. But uh, anyway, let's get to uh, some of the other stuff. Oh, and uh, Joe Lanza is in the no dope chat room. He said, "Don't worry, folks." Uh, Rich will not dodge. NWA always ready. We're going <laughs> to review that next week. So Aaron, I... Uh, oh, we have to preview that then. We do have to preview NWA always ready. So let me... Uh, I will fire that up and make sure that we we, we get everybody ready uh, for NWA always ready, which I am assuming has many, many, many matches announced, of which I know none of them so far, but I'm sure. Rick, I am... I- <laughs> Hard pulled up here from the esteemed website, the SmackdownHotel.com. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, go ahead then. Take it away if you got it. Are, are we, should we jump into this? I think let's do it. Is- yeah, I mean, that's that's the lead topic, I, I think. I mean, yeah, sure. CM Punk is injured and relinquishing. Oh, no, he's not relinquishing the title, but uh, they have an interim championship. Uh, Cody tore his pack and then wrestled on it. Uh, Stephanie McMahon may have been fired by her dad. No, yeah, go to the uh, NWA Always Ready. I think that's definitely what people want to hear about. So, Look, the universe works in mysterious ways. Injuries are obviously the cool, hip thing to do in wrestling right now. And Always Ready from the NWA this weekend on Fight TV has also been plagued by an injury as Matt Cardona tore his tricep or bicep, one of the seps, and is not wrestling on this show either. So his match with Nick Aldis has been pushed back to a later date. I believe the anniversary show I heard. And the main event right now on this match card, according 
to the smackdownhotel.com always reliable always premium new site <laughs> is nwa world's champion camille parentheses lowercase c versus kylin king of aew dark oh. elevation the main event in any city in any town in the world so kylin king versus camille for the nwa world women's title all right Rich, who do you got in this Lady Hawk? Camille Hawk-y. and Kyle. I'm going to say that Camille continues her, her reign atop the NWA Women's Division. I do not believe it's time for Kylan King of AEW Dark Fame to uh, get this win. So I think Camille retains here. I'm going to go with that as well. Kylan may be a king, but she will not unset the queen of the NWA in this bout. Um, rolling on, there's many titles. Another theme in wrestling. Uh, Jax Dane will defend the NWA National Championship against Chris Adonis, um, purveyor of the Adonis Lock, a famous hold. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, as a Texas person, there's a lot of people on this card that I recognize and grimace at the thought of, but um, pretty exciting stuff here. The National Heavyweight Division really heating up. Oh, yeah, it is. That, that again, is a match that you do not want to miss uh, this weekend for NWA Always Ready. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go, uh, since we, we, we Texas is well represented on this show, I'm going to go with Jack Stane retaining the NWA Heavyweight Championship. But, hey, there's going to be there's gonna have to be some titles that have to move here in a little bit. So maybe uh, down the card we'll, we'll get some title switches. But I think Jack Stane retains over Chris Adonis. I have to go with my countryman, Jax Dane, as well. I mean, you, can't get, you can't get the lock on Jax Dane. He's too thick. He's too big. His shoulders are too wide. Like, how's that? No, no. I, I, Adonis is not going to be able to do it. I, I just don't think it's going to happen. I think Jax Dane wins. Too much experience. Too big of a boy. KG veteran, National- big boy. Yeah, there, there's, there's no way. Um, next, we have the NWA World Television Championship. <laughs> Sorry. Match made Tele- in fucking hell. <laughs> <Here's>, <laughs> Um, um, pardon, sorry. Um, Fox News alleged person Tyrus um takes on Mims. I don't know what's Mims. Uh, I believe Mims is Matthew Mims. I think was his full name. If it's the same guy that I think it is, uh, I clearly am well versed on my current. Uh, National Wrestling Alliance, but I believe it is Matthew Mims, who's a pretty big dude and seems like a pretty cool prospect. I mean, uh, I am going to hope and pray and beg that uh, Mims, who I don't think I've actually ever seen wrestle, but I just got to hope he beats Tyrus because I don't think anybody needs Tyrus to continue to be uh, the television champion. But uh, yeah, I think I from if, if Mims is the person that I think Mims is, he's, he's actually pretty solid, has a good look, uh, definitely somebody that'd be a far, far better uh, TV champion than than whatever Tyrus gives you. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm looking here. Looks looks fit. Looks like he's in great condition. And while Tyrus may be used to going on the five, will his shoulders be put down for three this weekend? We'll find out. Oh, there we go. This is a great preview. And NWA World Tag Team Champions uh, La Rebellion. Uh, Bestia 666 and the slightly problematic Mecha Wolf 450. Slightly. <laughs> defend, I don't know, know if it is it slightly. <laughs> If you're problematic and impact won't take you, Billy <laughs> at Billy. Well, they they will take on the Commonwealth of Doug Williams and the Stampede Stud. 
Yeah, did you see that? That yeah, they were gonna call. I I am so upset that they released him now because I love the idea of 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 Harry Smith, Davy Boy Smith Jr. being called the Stampede Stud, like earnestly called the Stampede Stud uh, on on WWE television. But that did not happen here. Uh, this is a tough one. This is a toss up. This is a coin toss. I think. I mean, I think Doug Williams and Harry Smith, uh, definitely a chance that they take this home. They're they'd be great champions if they won it. Uh, La Rebellion has been they've been champions for a while too. So I I could see this going either way, man. I I don't know. I uh. That's a coin flip. I, I I don't know. Um, Mecha Wolf stinks. Um, had to deal with him during Austin's era of a wrestle circus. Didn't enjoy it. Um, I'm all Commonwealth on this. Stud Doug taking this one home. Uh, Rich, do you see the next match here? Uh, I do, and I, uh, I'm, I'm feverishly Googling two of the members of this match to make sure I can find out who they actually are. But uh, yes, go ahead if you'd like. So uh, I know you're an expert of Pretty Empowered, so I want you to take this away. As the, the Internet's uh, foremost uh, Pretty Empowered fan, uh, they're going to be taking on the Hex. This is for the prestigious NWA World Women's Tag Team Championship the Hex, which is Allison Kay and Marty Bell, two ladies who I don't know if they're spooky or not, but they're called the Hex. <laughs> they're not that spooky. No, they're pretty, uh, pretty normal. <laughs> but um, it is, it is, you're right. The name is kind of weird because, yeah, you would you would assume that they would put Hex on, on, on people, but they're just kind of they just wrestle. So I assume that, you know, this would be a Jessica Habit type joint. But um, no, um, AK Marty Bell. Against Kenzie Page of AEW Dark Fame and someone by the name of Ella Envy, who I am going to remember all about her in just a second. Okay. Yep. Ella Envy Pro at Twitter. I mean, my memories are coming back to me. Yeah. Now. Oh, yeah. It, apparently, she is wrestling's favorite pop star, is what I'm finding out here on. Uh... At Ella Envy Pro on uh, Instagram. She is uh, wrestling's favorite pop star. Uh, Kenzie Page, some fun facts about her. Trained by Knox County uh, Mayor or whatever the hell he is. Kane, Glenn Jacobs. Also, Tom Pritchard and Ricky Morton. So that's an illustrious crew uh, that got uh, Kenzie Page ready for the game. So we'll see if it, uh, the, the experience, the, the work of, of Dr. Tom, Kane, and Ricky Morton pays off uh, for Kenzie Page and Ella Envy. I... I don't think so. I, I'm not too. Uh, I'm not too uh, confident in Pretty Empowered's chances here at, at, at Always Ready. So, well, I I appreciate the message they're sending out. Um, empowerment is great, not just as a name for a show, but also something to feel in your heart. And I hope they ride that lightning to championship glory. Up next um, is going to be a sad moment in our sport. Um, I don't know if I could make it through this match. I, I don't know. It's, you know, the, the rush of emotions that are going to be coming through this one. But, uh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, we have to do this. We got to do it. It's it. It's over. Final chapter. Oh, okay. Yeah, compose yourself. That's all right. Take a breath. Take a minute if you need. This is big. This guy's meant a lot to me for a while. You know, when you're growing up, some people like, anyway, anyway, everyone knows my story and they know how this person was a part of it. Um, Aaron Stevens' swan song when... Um, TNA Impact star Rex Stevens. Is that what it was? Did you make that? Uh, Aaron Rex. Aaron, Aaron Rex, that was it. Yes, yes. Liberace <laughs> <Rex> will be... <laughs> will take on 
uh, uh, former NWA world champion Trevor Murdoch sliding way down the card. Um, yeah, is that, I guess this is his last match. This is it. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what caused this to happen. I don't know why Aaron Stevens has decided he, he's done with the wrestling game. Uh, but uh, Damian Sandow, uh, Aaron Rex, <laughs> Rex Stevens, or whatever you said earlier, uh, it's all over. It's all over for Aaron Stevens. So uh, this is definitely the time uh, to get out all of your, your favorite Aaron Stevens memories. <laughs> all of that. I mean, you, I, I, I think I'm just going to have to say just one, just for the purposes of the show, since we have so many other things to do. So um, you can do that if you want. If you can compose yourself enough to do it, uh, give your favorite... Uh, Damian Sandow, Damian Mizdow, Macho Mandow, Aaron Stevens, Idol, Idol Stevens, Aaron Stevens, Aaron Rex, Mr. Big Time um, uh, memories that you have. Um, I remember seeing um, Idol Stevens and Casey James in 2006, and I remember thinking, oh, who's Ooh, that? Hipster. Oh, you're a hipster. You're a Aaron Stevens hipster. I, I, I must admit. And I thought, who's that? And they were with um, Michelle McCool, I believe. They were called the Teacher's Pets, I think, for a hot minute. Um, they lost, and then they got sent back to developmental. And that, you know, that rise to success and then quick fall, you know, really hit home. <laughs> Certainly. Yeah, that's, uh... yeah, I don't, uh, uh, I guess the... Uh... I guess the Mizdow stuff was kind of fun. I enjoyed uh, Rhodes Scholars. That was a cool name, at least. So I, I, I appreciated the the play on words of Rhodes Scholars. But it, I can't, I, I'll admit that they uh, when Damian Sandow, Aaron Stevens, Aaron Rex finally calls it a day, I, I don't think I will. Uh, in a year's time, if you said, hey, remember Damian Sandow? I would say, oh, yeah, right. Uh, I think that's about where I'm at uh, with, uh, with with one Aaron Stevens, Aaron Rex. So, yeah, this is his swan song. And uh, I'll admit I... Uh, as emotional as it might be, I, I probably will never, ever think of uh, Aaron Stevens ever again. But, uh, hey, good for him. Going on in your own terms. Going out with uh, with a match here. Uh, Going to have to be looking at the lights, though, right? Trevor Murdoch has to get the win. That's that's how you I, do business in this here business. You know, that's a former NWA world champion. He's probably refusing to lie down anyway. Um, But, you know, eh, Aaron Stevens, former NWA, um, no, TNA uh, rounds match champion. Whatever they call that belt. And, uh, you know, we're going to miss him. We, we are certainly going to miss him. I, I can't wait. I'm sure Dave will have a great write-up in the Observer. <laughs> I do like an obituary style write-up. Like a, a 19 paragraph thing about the teacher's pets. And yeah, that's I uh, can't wait. So that'll be that'll be great in uh, this week's uh, Observer. So there you go. The swan song of Aaron Stevens. <sighs> but that's not all. No, there's more. Yeah. Um, that's not the opener somehow. Um, after that is Taya Valkyrie versus Natalia Markova. Um, pretty surprised that Johnny Always Ready isn't on this show, but we do get, uh, Taya Valkyrie. Rich, one of your faves. Oh, yes, of course. What do you think about the deep division, the NWA world, uh... Yeah, it's, um... <laughs> It's not great. <laughs> it's certainly not great. Uh, there is some talent on there. I mean, I, I do like Camille. Uh, I think Camille has some some talent. Uh, Ty Valkyrie and, and Natalia Markova. I don't know that I'm looking uh, forward to that very much, but uh, that feels like something the fans will enjoy. Uh, you know, there's will be a lot of cleavage, so you know, I'm certain. You know, the, the oh. fans at the uh, Knoxville or at Knoxville Convention Center, uh, I'm sure will be very happy to see the uh, the, the the cleavage that they're going to see. 
uh, here because these are, are are two women that definitely um definitely excel in that. They maybe not excel in the ring, but they excel in uh, sporting uh, cleavage. So good for them. Um, as a woman who is on the show with you, um, I'm just gonna look down at myself and feel very insecure now. Um, so, oh. I'm going to attempt to make Rich as uncomfortable Yeah, as so thank you. Yeah, appreciate it. But no, oh, yeah, right. I don't know. It, it, it really falls off a cliff, that, that division, very quickly afterwards. Like, the Hex is, is not that great. But uh, I don't know. Yeah, that, this, uh, this has a chance to be really bad. But uh, I don't know. Where, where do you stand on Taya? Because, like, I, I see a lot of people that really do think that she's solid. And, and I've seen some stuff with Taya that I enjoyed. But, man, I don't know that. I don't know. I, I just, I, I've seen a lot that doesn't quite click for me, but where, where are you at with uh, Taya? I, I appreciate that she gets booked. Um, yeah, that was it. <laughs> All right, there you go. Uh, there's one more match, uh, I'm, I'm led to believe, right? Yeah, and speaking of cleavage, if you're wanting more of it, um, in this match, a three-way match, it'll be the Mortons, Ricky and Carrie Morton, which I assume is his son? Yes, yes. It was pretty okay. solid, yeah. Carrie's, Carrie's not bad. Against a um, team known as the Fixers, um, at Billy favorite Jay Bradley. <laughs> at Billy's most favorite Jay Bradley, yeah. If at yeah. Billy is booking or invested in a promotion, you do not have to look far to find Jay Bradley. He is going to be very, very close. It used to be Marche Rocket, but I think Marche Rocket finally told Billy, like, please stop booking. <laughs> I don't want to be booked. Uh, but not Jay, man. Jay is still ready, willing, and able to appear uh, at any at Billy uh, event, so yes, the fixers, Jay Bradley. And, One uh, might say he's always ready. On uh, and someone called Wrecking Ball Ligurski. Have you which seen is this? The, have you seen this crew yet? I have not seen. I think I, not, I, I think I know. I know what you like in wrestling. I think you got to give old Wrecking Ball Ligurski and Jay Bradley a try. I think you're going to like them a lot. Yeah, just look this up real quick. He's a big boy. He, they, they look. Like a worldwide team. Recky Ball Ligurski is right up your alley. I'm positive. You're going to look at one picture and go, oh my God. And be all in. I'm telling you. You'll see. Oh, oh, yeah. Right? Oh, also, also, that's Jay Bradley. Yeah, he's that's- got a little bigger. Yeah, Jay's put on some pounds. Okay. So. okay. Yeah, I see that. Which is good. I uh, like it. They kind of look like a... Um, I'm trying to think of the, the, the tag team they... Um, a little bit of roadblock look to them, uh, both. Who, what's, yeah. the, what's the team I'm thinking of? I'm blanking on that team. There's a there's a I WCW mean, jobber team that was just gigantic fat guys, and they ruled. I mean, they look a lot like. Uh, oh, these two uh, remind me both of the Bear Country, but they also remind me of Otis and the one that wasn't Otis. <laughs> right, <laughs> Tucker. Tucky. Tucky. <laughs> yeah, Tucky. Remember um, that? Remember when like people had to pretend that Otis was a thing and that like Otis was gonna get over? Oh. Yeah. He was, I mean, former money and Mr. Money in the bank. <laughs> um, I Googled the Fixers NWA in the first photo. I don't care about the Fixers at all because I'm seeing someone by the name of Fable Jake. Who? Um, yeah, looks, Fable Jake. I don't know who that is. <laughs> looks like he's some sort of magician, a magic <laughs> El Phantasmo like, yeah. Um, very much in the in very much in the vein of a uh, EE favorite Jarek 120. So shout out to the real ones who understand. Um, yeah, so that that was very distracting though. 
But they're not the only team in this match as they'll be taking on AJ Kazana and the always dangerous question mark. Not that question mark, but a mystery partner. Not who, not that question mark. Yeah, I don't know. This is an interesting spot here, a, a, a mystery here. And as you mentioned, Johnny always ready. Uh, you know, Ty is there, and usually Johnny always ready is not far behind. So is this a spot for him to come in and, uh, and do some fun stuff? I don't know. I, I don't know if this is a spot for Johnny Always Ready. Um, this seems like a little low on the totem pole for, for Johnny NWA. Johnny Knoxville. <laughs> I guess he can't go by Johnny Knoxville, right? Would he be egregious enough to go by Johnny Knoxville? I don't know. I, I feel like he wouldn't. So, um, Or he would. He is Johnny whatever the hell. So he, I, I could absolutely see him without any sort of irony whatsoever coming out as Johnny Knoxville and not understanding why that might not be the best uh, name for him. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know who this mystery opponent is, and uh, I don't think any of us do. So I'm not even going to guess. I'll go with uh, Johnny Always Ready just as a uh, joke, but uh, I, don't, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know who this is going to be. I, yeah, I don't know who would be this far down the card, but also enough of a name to be a mystery partner. Uh, very interesting, but I think um, I, I would like him to come in as Johnny Pumpkins. And... <laughs> So, yeah, and that's the show, Always Ready. Oh, man, that- yeah, wow. June 11th, on Fight TV. $25, 20, sorry, twenty four ninety nine on, on Fight TV there, so uh, make sure uh, you, you do that. Voicesofwrestling.com slash fight, by the way, if you want to order that show, helps us out a little bit, so I know... Um, don't all do it at once. You don't want to crash the website at once. So maybe form an orderly line and order, you know, talk in the Dodo chat room, uh, DM your, your, your fellow uh, flagship listeners and make sure you guys form an orderly line and, and order uh, one at a time. Cause yeah, we don't want this website to crash and then nobody be able to order uh, always ready uh, for this weekend. So imagine Matt Cardona goes down and you don't have Brian Myers on the card yet. I would have assumed. Yeah. And right. I know he did work uh, Nick Aldis on, one of the NWA shows this week. I don't know which one. Power, power surge, power outage. I don't know. But that would seem like the obvious play. Um, it, it, uh, Rich, is there some kind of code people can put in? Is there a link people can go There's to? There's nothing. Just voiceswrestling.com slash fight uh, to order uh, NWA always ready. And, and I'll be honest, like, if you put that all, you know, if you put all this and, and Cardona on that show, it's not a horrible show. Like, it's not good, but it's not a horrible show. You take that match off, man, and oh, wow, yikes. It's a really, really uh, uh, lacking uh, some punch there. But uh, there you go. That is NWA always ready. Uh, we will review it. Oh, God. Uh, next week on, uh, on, this, uh, uh, on the flagship. So there you go. Um, <sighs> All right. Well... Now that we've fulfilled that, um, yes, big of course, to Joe pointing that out. Yeah, thank you, Jerry. Now thirty minutes of in <laughs> lost. Anyway, always ready. I enjoyed the hell out of that. It's a good preview. It's a type. It's a, this is the flagship and it is flagship tradition that even if it's even if Joe's not here, we still have to cover the National Wrestling Alliance. So, Aaron, I'm glad you filled in uh, very admirably uh, for it. I feel anyway. I feel equipped enough for this. But Rich, big question now. Before we get on, I know Punk's heard Cody doesn't have an arm anymore. <laughs> Uh, Stephanie has been cut out of the will. But Rich, did you check out NXT 2.0 in your house? It was oh, I did not. Week. I did not. I will tell you that uh, that Joe Gagne, uh, who has filled in many times on the flagship when Joe was gone, uh, messaged me on Tuesday and said, "Hey, if you need somebody, 
I watched in your house this weekend. I was like, that actually makes me not want to pick you because I don't want to watch uh, in your house. So, uh, no, Aaron, I did not watch in your house, but uh, I, I take it you may have. Oh, no, absolutely not. That's why I asked you. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> no, I, uh, I uh, stared at the sun instead. So, yeah, I, I did miss uh, NXT 2.0 in your house. So, uh, I, I'm led to believe that I, I know that I did see a gif of, of Wendy Chu uh, ripping up a pillow and then trying to take like her nighty off and then it not quite working or something. So yeah, I, I saw that, but uh, okay. that is all I know about it. 2.0 in your house. Uh, and I think, uh, I think the, uh, the Latin crew has to hang out with the Italian crew now or something. So there you go. That is correct. Yeah. Okay. The Don of NXT, Tony D'Angelo, a accurate portrayal or so I'm told <laughs> of mobster um, now also runs with, Legado del Fantasma. Yeah, okay. Um, I will say, you I think, did. Oh, want- you know what? We're gonna get some awesome skits. It's gonna be Tony being like, "Hey, this is Master Jolie," <laughs> and they're gonna like eat it and be like, "What is this?" Like, because like, we're gonna get that right. Like, we're totally. Because remember, NXT <laughs> Tovato did the thing where I forget who it was, but I don't know if it was EO or somebody like took somebody to eat sushi and they're like, what is this sushi? <laughs> like it's Zoe Stark. Yeah. Zoe Stark was like, wow, what is this stuff? It's uncooked fish. Gross. I'm like, it's 2021. <laughs> like there's no way that any human being on earth doesn't know what sushi is at this point. Like it's not 1982. Like what are we doing here? So we're totally getting Tony D'Angelo taking them to his, his favorite Italian restaurants and being like, yeah, this is a spaghetti. And they're going to be like, what is, yeah, oh my God. Right. Which actually might rule. So actually on second thought, uh, I'm all in on NXT 2.0 again. This sounds incredible. Well, Rich, with that said, then I guess we don't have to go over this show. Um, but can you name the two other members of Tony D'Angelo's family? <laughs> Tony D'Angelo's. Is that what is it called? Tony D'Angelo's family, or is it uh... the D'Angelo family? The is D'Angelo what they were family. Called. Okay, man, I knew one of them last week, and now I think I forgot who it was. Um, oh man, it was. They have like cool names. It's like F- Fat Stacks and like something like that. Um, oh, one of them is Two Dimes. Is one of them right? Two. Di- I forget what the other guy's name is. There's, there's two dimes. Two dimes. Legit- I don't know what his actual name is. It's like. One two is dimes, Tony and, Touch or something like that. I forget what it is. So. Uh, one one of these men is Channing Lorenzo, and the other is Troy Donovan. And Troy, oh, okay, so Troy Donovan is two dimes, right? I don't know. Okay, and then I don't know what the other one. The other one's like Fat Stacks or or Stacky or something like that. I, I forget. It's something with stacks, but I couldn't tell you. It is one. just stacks. Just stacks. Okay, there you go. So it's a uh, Fat Stacks would probably be a different subculture. <laughs> That's true. true. Um, and two dimes is literally just ripped from an Enzo Amore joke. So uh, creative again. So that is NXT. But if if anyone does want to check out this week's NXT did have a great match between um, Santos and the artist formerly known as Ben Carter. So that's worth checking out if anyone wants to do that on the Peacock. No, that's true. You watch this match and it's actually good? It is very good. Okay, great. Okay, yeah, yeah. Ben Carter's great. It's just a shame that he retired so early into his career, but uh, I guess, you know, he got his 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 visa, and I, yeah, I hope they start using him a little bit more because, yeah, he is, I mean, especially on that roster, I mean, he is so clearly, like, right there with, like, Roderick Strong as, like, the best dudes on the entire roster, right? Like, he, he is moved up that ladder very, very quickly. So good for him. I, I, I'll actually might have to check that out because that sounds actually pretty good. 
it, it is good. And also, um, to con- continue this NXT segment I've worked Rich into, um, Apollo Crews has been moved down to NXT to continue the Braun Breaker feuds with anyone not on the actual roster of NXT. And also, Commander Aziz has also gone down to the Splatter Paint brand. Oh, so okay. Big moves. Now, is Apollo, and I, I did not watch this week's, I, I missed it, I'm sorry, I missed this week's NXT 2.0, is uh, is this Apollo Crews just like normal human being, or is he still like the Nigerian prince, Apollo Crews? He has gone back to being um, NXT Apollo Crews. Okay, that's probably for the better, even though he, he cut promos saying this is actually my real voice and yada yada yada. It's, it's, I'm very glad that now he is going back to his fake uh, voice, because uh, yeah, that gimmick I did not think was going to last very long. So, and that is NXT. I don't. I don't love Commander Aziz's uh, future here in this company. If if uh, if Apollo, because he did he come out with uh, Commander Aziz or no? No, but he oh. was moved on the roster page. So even worse. That's not good. <laughs> yeah, he's gone for sure. Because uh, he's been given the old Keith Lee to developmental. Yeah, yikes! That's not going to go well for Commander Aziz. So, well, we wish him well in his his future endeavors. Commander Aziz. So, all right. So that is WA Always Ready. That is NXT 2.0, the report. Uh, anything else, Aaron, you want to get into? Uh, you want to talk? Uh, trying to think of other horrible <laughs> wrestling that we can touch on that nobody watches. Uh, that'll tank our ratings here. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, there's. I think we've nailed it. I think we got it. So, all right. Let's, uh, let's touch on uh, AEW. We're going to start here with uh, CM Punk's injury uh, as well as the interim championship. So, obviously... Uh, wrestling continues to be absolutely wild. Uh, every single week, new insane things happen. Uh, seemingly out of nowhere on Friday, which is like no notice whatsoever. Uh, I was out of town, so all of a sudden I'm just getting a flood of text messages being like, what's going on with Punk? What happened with Punk? And I'm like, I don't know what the hell these people are talking about. What is going on? Uh, find out that he announces on the Friday's Rampage that he has hurt his foot and he will be out of action. AEW is not stripping him of the title, though. Uh, instead, they are doing an interim AEW champion until he is ready. Uh, they announced on this week's Dynamite, Jim Ross said that uh, he had successful surgery and doctors are positive about his future or whatever, I forget the exact terminology he used, uh, but said that we won't know exactly, you know, the next steps uh, for a little bit now, just because he did just have the surgery uh, this week. So that is good news, I guess, that the surgery went well. But, uh, yeah, what did you make of this when you saw that CM Punk was out with an injury and now, you know, after building up for so long to get to this point of CM Punk winning the title, uh, that now it's seemingly taken away and and also, you know, our forbidden door main event, uh, Tanahashi and Punk, uh, taken away as well. I mean, this just felt like this came out of absolutely nowhere. I mean, wh- wh- what was your wh- what was your read on it when you saw? Oh God, CM Punk is hurt and he's gonna you know have to go away for a while. Uh, I was in a lot of the same position because my Friday was incredibly busy between uh, work and then I actually did things after work, and so I didn't find out about this until closer to midnight on Friday. Um, it's a pretty big surprise, and it is a really good another test uh, for the entire backstage to how they scramble with this. And no one seems to love interim titles more than Tony Khan. Um, It doesn't seem like the communication on this was super great because the whole interim tournament was rolled out incredibly sloppily Um, when it takes fans to make the graphics to explain it. There's probably a little bit of a communication issue. And the only thing I'm wondering is why the injury is being kept so vague not that i think it's more serious than we're actually being told but i know 
JR referred to it as lower leg surgery, which could be <laughs> that's a lot a, of parts a cow, of the body. Yeah, that's a, a foot. <laughs> yeah, that's a big part of the body there. So I would hope if it wasn't super serious, they could just say it. But maybe they just don't want to say anything at all. Um, I'm just going to blame those buckshot lariats he kept trying. Clearly, that destroyed his knees. Um, but otherwise, I think it's just their attempt to scramble. And I don't necessarily know where this is going as far as who comes out of Forbidden Door with that title. It is really weird. Yeah, the injury kind of caught me by surprise because obviously if you watch Double or Nothing, he does, you know, the two buck shots and kind of falls and trips or whatever. And you're like, ah, all right, well, he just fell and trip. And it it didn't look like an injury and it didn't seem to like, you know, change the match at all. He kind of got right back up and, and, and did it. It's just it felt like, hey, he's you know, that's a little bit of two of an athletic move for, for CM Punk to do. Uh, he tried it twice, obviously did not work out, hopefully never tries it ever again, but it didn't look like, oh my god, this guy like, you know, dislocated his ankle or tore his Achilles or strained his calf or or, or, or tore his ACL or whatever. You have no I mean, there was no indication of that whatsoever. Uh, and then on, you know, Dynamite that week, and he was a little sloppy again, and there were some moves that he kind of messed up or whatever. But like after the match, he was kind of laughing about it. You know what I mean? Like, ah, you know what? I, I gotta, you know, tighten these things up a little bit, gotta do whatever. Uh, and, you know, people just kind of said, ah, you know what, he's trying some stuff, he, he's, he's maybe going a little bit above, you know, his 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 athleticism level, but yeah, whatever. And then all of a sudden, like, two days later, it's like, yeah, I gotta go away now, my foot's hurt. And it's like, whoa, what what happened? Like, when when did the, did he take his boot off and then realize, oh my god, my ankle? Or, like you said, I think the vagueness of it is really weird. If it was like, hey, he, you know, sprained his ankle or, you know, broke a bone in his ankle, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes a little bit more sense. Did, did he break a toe? Did he strain his Achilles did he tear his Achilles did he tear his calf did he strain it like we don't know anything like you said it's a lower leg injury that needed like almost immediate surgery like he was in getting surgery like what days after three or four days afterwards he's getting surgery on this thing but it's also not serious enough that they think that they need to strip him of the title and are instead going to do the interim thing but then you're left wondering well how long are we doing the interim thing there's just a lot of weirdness with this and and I don't I just wish they would say, hey, it's, you know, this is what's wrong with him. And then you could say, okay, well, that sounds like an injury that he'll be out like two months. Okay, now we have a more clear idea uh, of how long he's going to be out for. Or, oh, it's, it's you know, this injury, uh, it's going to be six months. That's going to be a while. But right now we have no clue. It could be anywhere from he's back in three weeks to he doesn't wrestle again this year. And I have no clue what it is. <laughs> and I think AEW, I, do they know or are they just being vague on purpose? I don't know. It's It's a very, very weird situation. I think there's probably a bit of a scramble because Forbidden Door is at the end of the month. And I'm sure they want to have a world title match on there. So even if Punk is maybe going to be out for four weeks, will it still... I mean, there's already a precedent set that we'll do an interim title even if someone's going to be out for two weeks. Right. Um, so um, I'm just going to say it right now. Um, I think we're going to get Tanahashi as uh, AEW champion for a little bit of the summer because i don't see another direction that they can go where it really is intriguing at all especially after the result of uh wednesday um, yeah it's um it's a, it's a really weird yeah and I, i'm with you i i think you know for, for people that do not know um the way they're going to do this they're going to do an interim title and like you said nobody loves something as much as tony khan loves interim championships like he just absolutely loves them uh and and Try not to hate something as much as Joe hates interim championships because we're, as much as Tony loves them, Joe despises them. I'm kind of agnostic about interim champions. I think they're kind of silly and goofy and kind of dumb, but I get it. In this case, I absolutely get it. He wants to say 
that there's a title match. He wants to say that there's going to be a champion. And I think that there's some real creative ways that this can go. And I think, you know, now what we have is, is John Moxley, who on Dynamite won the main event match, uh, defeated Kyle O'Reilly, who won the Battle Royal. Um, so then it's John Moxley versus the winner of either Hiroshi Tanahashi uh, or, or the winner of a Hiroshi Tanahashi Hiroki Goto match from uh, Dominion. So one of those two men then will face John Moxley. I would really have to assume that it's going to be Hiroshi Tanahashi uh, that's going to be facing him. I would be uh, absolutely stunned, flabbergasted if Hiroki Goto does it. Now, I would love, I mean, that would be incredible in the United Center, hearing the, you know, Soroki Goto comes out and like, you know, 20% of the audience goes, yeah, <laughs> you know, as the other, you know, percentage of the audience goes, what the fuck is this guy? Like, I don't even know who this is. So I would love it. But uh, yeah, I, I'm guessing it's going to be Tanahashi versus Moxley. That actually works with the story that they've been doing lately in, in New Japan America, where Moxley's trying to face Tanahashi, Tanahashi's trying to, you know, duck him, that sort of stuff. Uh, so it works with that. And like you said, I think the way to go with this would be Tanahashi wins, and then you have something fun there where he's maybe defending this interim title uh, in New Japan. Maybe he has the ability to come back and forth a few times uh, and defend on AEW television. AEW has enough titles. Like, they can live for X amount of months without having a quote-unquote world champion. Like, I do not think it's going to kill their company if that happens. And then what you can set up, and 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 it does kind of feel like we might be going in that direction. We'll find out, I guess, uh, at Forbidden Door if they're going that direction, where then you could have CM Punk defend his AEW title against Hiroshi Tanahashi's AEW interim title, be it at Wrestle Kingdom, which would be really cool, or be it whenever Punk is ready to go and ready, ready to do this, maybe it's all out. You know what I mean? Maybe it's it, it's as soon as September or whatever. I think that's a really cool story, too. So they go back to that match that they wanted to build. It's just under slightly different circumstances, and then you can leave exactly the same way you were going to with probably Punk winning uh, and becoming you know the undisputed champion. So I, I think there's a, some interesting and fun ways they can go about this. Uh, it did seem like a mad scramble in the last few days to kind of get this all together. Uh, but I think ultimately when Forbidden Door is done, we'll have a more clear idea, obviously, of what, what's going to happen moving forward. And I think it, end, it could end up being a lot of fun, you know, ultimately. Uh, obviously, the circumstances suck in, in, in what's going on. But I think they can definitely have fun with this. And I don't think that AEW would would lose out by not having that title on their TV every single week or whatever. Have it go to Tanahashi. Let him do whatever uh, for a little bit of time. Because I think if you have John Moxie walking around with the interim title and kind of pretending that it's the main title... Doesn't that kind of make him look like a little bit of a dork too? I, I don't know. Where, where do you stand on like, let's say John Moxley does win this match? Where, where do you stand on him like walking around AEW as saying like I'm the champion, I run this shit or whatever? That, that, I don't know. I, I feel like that he comes across kind of like a dork. I I think we're not to the point where we should have someone already being a two time champion of this company, and especially it happened like this. He's also already in a major feud that's not involving this title and is about to do a blood and guts match in a couple of weeks, um, which was not mentioned on the show barely at all. I don't even think Jericho's crew was on the show. And so I think it would be just a distraction and it really throws off the plans that they have in place already. Um, So for all those reasons, I don't think there's any reason to belt up Mox again. It would feel like a little bit of a rehash it is the least interesting option. Um, Kyle O'Reilly would have been even more interesting, I guess, but that was not going to happen at all. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it would leave Mox in a place where he has an achievement, but it doesn't really count. It totally distracts from his feud. It threatens us all with a Chris Jericho world title match again. Um, I think Tanahashi is the best option to go for. 
I think it would throw more intrigue around the eventual Punk match, because I think we all assume, well, Punk's going to beat Tanahashi. That's the reason he's wrestling Tanahashi. But if they both have belts at that time, that, eh, you know, casts a little bit of doubt, at least more doubt than there was there at the beginning. So it's easily the more creative direction to go. And let's all now just start rallying for the Goto winning this thing. I mean, come on. That, that screw Tanahashi, screw Moxley, screw Kyle O'Reilly. The way to go is Goto as <laughs> the AEW interim champion. Because what's more dorky than that guy just pretending that this is like a big accomplishment or whatever? You know what I mean? Like, this guy never wins the NWGP title. He can never win the big one. But then he wins this big one. And it's like, yeah, here's like the fake championship for you, pal. And he's like, yeah, I did it. Well, all the fans are like, fuck this guy. We don't know who this guy even is. So uh, that would be an incredible, incredible moment. Uh, but uh, I think that is, uh, Aaron, if, uh, I'm not much of a betting man, but I feel like that is the the least possible of, the, of all the scenarios. So maybe I just willed it into existence at this point. And if so, you're welcome, because it will be incredible. Oh, I don't remember if they wrestled in the G1, but Goto versus Mox would rule. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, Goto rule. I mean, Goto would be awesome if Goto just, like, went to AEW and just did it for, like, eight months. Like, it would fucking rock. Like, he would be great. Like, he, he would fit in perfectly. He's always a guy that I've said. Anytime anybody asks me, um, you know, who, sh- who would you trade, or, like, in a pro, you know, if you could trade one guy from another guy. And I always say get Goto out of New Japan, not because I don't think Goto is good in New Japan. I think he's great in New Japan, but he's clearly hit his ceiling. He hit his ceiling in, like... 2011 you know what I mean like he was never going to get uh, above that they were never going to give him the title but like that dude in Noah that dude in all Japan that dude anywhere else would be incredible and and I it would take a lot of education <laughs> I'm not sure that anybody would 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 know who he is or really care that much but man Goto in AEW for like an extended period would rock like I'm thinking Takeshi Morishima type stuff in Ring of Honor. Like, people would just be, initially, nobody would have any idea who it is except for the hardcores who would be like, oh, this is going to be great. And then he goes out there and just has incredible matches for, like, you know, a year. It would rule. It would rock. It's not going to happen, but uh, I don't know. I just kind of sold myself on it. Let's do it. I, I mean, there's nothing more I want than Malachi Black with uh, Dark Julia in the ring and then... Out comes Silver Paint Goto. <laughs> right underneath a waterfall. You got, you got the House of Black versus the Waterfall Man, and the Light versus Dark. Like, yeah, there's, there's, oh, man. There's a lot of good stuff that can come of this. I, I, I'm in. I have fully sold it. I'm going to DM uh, TK uh, and see if he'll take my advice on this. And he really should. Uh, Goto for, for interim <laughs> AW champion is, 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 man, think of the matches. Think of the matches. Like you said, Moxley. Kyle O'Reilly, Malachi Black, <laughs> Danielson. Like, I could go on, man. And Let's do it. Imagine- Let's go. <laughs> Joe. Joe's still there. So, Simone, Joe go- Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> You're right. Let's do this. Come on. Brock Anderson. Damn, Brock Anderson. Brock Anderson. Strap him up. <laughs> right? Yeah. Let's do it. Well, anyway, we'll see what happens. Probably, unfortunately, the least likely uh, of all the scenarios that are going to happen. But again, yeah, so John Moxley will face the winner of the Hiroshi Tanahashi-Hiroki Goto match from Dominion. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, and then that will determine the AEW interim um, champion at uh, Forbidden Door. And, and real quick, let's go over Forbidden Door uh, since we are talking about it. So obviously, the match I just mentioned there, John Moxley uh, versus whoever for the AEW uh, interim uh, world title. We also have a brand new championship in All Elite Wrestling, exactly what this company needed. Another title belt. Uh, the AEW All Atlantic Championship. 
Uh, we got the tournament brackets uh, on uh, Dynamite. Pac, he won his first round matchup, so he moves on to this four-way match uh, at Forbidden Door. Uh, and then the winner of Malachi Black versus Penta uh, will also join the fray. Miro versus Ethan Page. Uh, whoever wins that will move on uh, in this tournament. And there will also be a New Japan Pro Wrestling representative as well in the four-way. But what did you think of the rollout of the All-Atlantic Championship from, uh, from AEW? Well, I know we all saw it coming. Um, you know, Tony has his office full of belts. Um, no, I, I had no idea what was going on. All of a sudden, there was a belt on the screen. There were brackets. It said all Atlantic, but there were new Japan reps. Japan does not touch the Atlantic Ocean, so I don't know what Tony's doing. Um, I'm not totally against it as a WCW head. I can respect three male singles titles. Um, I think it's made a little bit harder because we already have all the AAA belts. We have all the ROH belts. But if it is something for specifically the international talent to wrestle over and possibly take to other places that they may get booked, then I can see it being at least something that produces some really great matches. We already had one on Wednesday, and the rest of the brackets look really great. So until the matches stink, I'm totally okay with it. Yeah, I think there's some some interesting stuff that can come with this. What I like is that it it does appear to be a title that has some something else to it. It's not just like you said another singles title for the men to fight over. It's it's it is, but it's also got the the international influence of it. It has the idea maybe of like okay, well, you know, I've seen some people go run wild with it where hey, you can only defend it against somebody from another country. You can only defend it on this. You can only I mean, there's some real fun stuff they can do with this and I hope they do. I hope they do realize that yeah, we don't need to just make this yet another title. Uh, you know, especially this company does not need more kind of quote unquote mid card titles. And I know, you know, Tony will get mad about that because he doesn't consider the TNT, but that title's gotten there. The TNT title is a mid card title at this time, just because of the way they've treated it and the way it's it's gone. I think this definitely has the opportunity to be something different and be something unique and be, you know, something that stands out. So I and they deserve I I'll I'll be honest, AEW deserves the benefit of the doubt more than anything with the titles, because I think they've been pretty good with the titles. The TNT title notwithstanding, that's been kind of a disaster. But I think otherwise they've treated the titles with some from decent reverence. Uh they've done a good job with all the titles. So uh, I am going until like you said, until it starts sucking, I, I'm gonna give it a chance and I'm gonna be excited about it at least a little bit, because so far so good. Uh but yeah, if if it starts to suck, I, I'm more than willing to say, hey, this title kind of sucks. Uh, like I've, I've been saying for the TNT title, like I've been saying for some of the other titles. But yeah, right now, I, I do think that there's enough uniqueness to this title to make it work. So uh, I'm curious, you know, what, what happens moving forward with it. So yeah, I don't I don't hate it too much. And, and yeah, this this company has a lot of titles right now, but you do, you can see a path where in a couple of months, maybe there's a, a, a lot less. Maybe the Ring of Honor titles aren't kind of popping up as, as much, and those guys are kind of on their own little show or whatever. The AAA guy, you know, titles are maybe not as visible or whatever. Cause right now, yeah, you have, you have a, a bunch of companies titles and it feels like everybody has one. Uh, adding the two Owen Hart titles definitely does not help either. Just cause the optics of two more people walking out with title belts. It's like, Oh my God, <laughs> everyone's got a title uh, in this company. So I would find a way to kind of reduce those a little bit, but yeah, th- this title I, I, I think is pretty cool. It just would have been fun to kind of have a little bit more notice instead of just like, Hey, we're doing a tournament. Here's a new title. Here we go. The tournament match starts right now. It's like, ding, ding, ding. You're like, okay, wow. All right. Things went quickly with this, but uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm going to give it a chance at least for a bit. Um, should we look at these brackets real quick? This is curious brackets for this title. Yeah. So as we mentioned, Pac, uh, he, he went forward uh, with the one title uh, or the, the one. Uh, so he is in the, in the four way match for sure. Uh, Malachi Black versus Penta, so uh, representing uh, 
Mexico and, and the Netherlands there. So where, where, where are you? Uh, who would you like um, to see move forward? I, I guess I, I, that's a, that's a toss up, man. That's a, that's a tough match right there. Cause that's, I don't know. Um, I assume Malachi Black is going to advance. Um, they're pretty determined to never do anything with Penta um, in a singles division. I remember the uh, the Cody feud that lasted a week and the Cody loss. Um, so I assume Malachi Black is going to go over there. But the reason, Rich, I really wanted to talk about these brackets is, has there ever been a more easily predictable match than Miro, who is going to kill God, versus Ethan Page. <laughs> All ego Ethan Page? I don't know. I feel like that's a toss-up. I mean, <laughs> you got world killer man who wants to defeat God as a, a flexible wife uh, against Ethan Page, guy who collects toys. So I don't know. I, I, I think it's a toss-up. And not even the most preeminent toy collector on the internet. <laughs> <Right>. so, <laughs> you know, he's down the rung in the pantheon of wrestlers who collect toys. Yeah, so. it's a tough spot to be in. Uh, yeah, it's a, yeah, that's a strange one. Where, where Malachi and Penta, I do think that there might be, like, I honestly believe that that might be a tough one, that maybe they, they decided, it, Penta, they wanted him to move forward. I'm guessing it's going to be Malachi Black, obviously, because Pac already went forward uh, for that team. But that one's, a, there is zero percent chance that all ego Ethan Page uh, defeats my main man Miro here. So, yeah, I think you can pretty much lock it in uh, with Miro. And the New Japan representative, are they just picking a dude or is there a match? Like, we'll talk about a Dominion. People have circled one match on Dominion. If that is the match that determines who is going to be in this four-way, then, oh, dear God, I don't know if I like this title anymore. But uh, I think I think as far as I could tell, they're just going to pick a dude and put him in there. But uh, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll see what ends up happening. I The way this sets up, it looks to me like a New Japan pro wrestling contest for this um i guess we'll look at the card later i'll i'll, I'll have it pulled up here Oof. the the only thing that disappoints me is that this is ending in a four-way because yes. i would love a singles pack and mirror match yes yes i'm with and you yeah why, why i can't believe it i was i didn't know that it was until, not until later in the show that i realized like wait a minute are they, they showed the bracket again later in the night and I don't know if they initially said it or I, I missed it when they first said it, but they're like, yeah, we'll have a four-way match it. And I was like, oh, man, I thought we were going to get, like, because that sets up for, like, four more really cool matches. It's Miro versus some New Japan representative, which would rock, right? That'd be cool. Then Pac versus either Malachi Black or Penta. I mean, that, that has some fun stuff there with Pac facing his stablemate or Pac facing Malachi Black. And then, yeah, like you said, you can go through and, and, and get Malachi Black versus Miro, Pac versus Miro, Pac versus... Whoever that is from New Japan, like there's a lot of really fun matches, but instead they're just gonna throw it onto a four way. I I, uh, I don't know. I was really disappointed by that because I, I don't like multiple man matches, and and especially in the end of a tournament, I would just love to see you know two extra good matches in this tournament. Um, yeah, I like multiple man matches, except when it's to decide a brand new um, singles title. And Rich, I just pulled up the Dominion card. I think I know the match you're talking oh, about. No, it can't be that match. It can't be. I just no, won't accept it. Oh no, no. <laughs> I mean, I can find a few matches on here that I would prefer that it was, but oh dear God. In you, see what, you know the match I'm talking about. We'll talk about it in a bit. It can't be that. It, it can't. It just can't. It no, I mean, it. I, I, it could be, yes, but also no. Um, so yeah, All-Atlantic Championship I, could be a lot of fun. Um, and they've devalued the TNT title. Now, one thing I did want to say about Dynamite was I felt like there was a lot of course correction on this show. The... Um, Wardlow clearly is up in line for the TNT title. 
they're blowing off the Mark Sterling storyline next week, which sounds like they're just going to speed run that. And so it felt like a big course correction to some of the complaints of last week. Yeah, I, I agree. They did kind of get things on track a little bit, and, and uh, I liked Wardlow's promo. I like him kind of s- establishing the, uh, um, you know, the TNT title, and 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 you know, there was some people that that didn't love that he was like, ah, you know, this title's been a disaster, and a title kind of sucks or whatever people say. But like, we all know it. You know what I mean? Like, it's not you don't have to lie and pretend that the TNT title is actually good, and and the matches have been fun, and it makes sense. Like, I like that Wardlow was just like, this title kind of fucking sucks. Let me win this thing, <laughs> get this back on track. Like, we all know it, right? So I, I kind of like that. I appreciate the honesty there, where it's like, no, we can we can just say this has not been great. Uh, we're gonna get things moving in the right direction. So I, I like that. But no, I, I'm with you. I thought it was a really good episode of Dynamite. I know uh, there were some complaints here and there, but I thought um, two great matches. Uh, a, a lot of good storytelling, I thought, throughout, you know, establishing things in the right direction, getting Forbidden Door ready, and also then, you know, I, I thought a pretty good Battle Royal, too. So I, I had no real complaints with Dynamite. Uh, uh, you know, the women's match, uh, you know, Maria Shafir, I don't know about that. But uh, otherwise, I think it was pretty good. Thunder Rosa worked her ass off uh, trying to make that match good. I don't know if it's ever going to. I I get very concerned when they don't even have a women's match announced going into the show. Um I don't know what the infatuation with Marina Shafir. There's so many other women on the roster. Um, literally, you have women from overseas who can't get on TV, and Marina Shafir is never going to have it. She's been trying forever. She's almost as old as me. Like, just don't. I'm done. Uh, Wardlow versus 20 men next week is going to rule. Um, the plaintiffs. Give the, <laughs> Did you see the poster? It said Wardlow versus plaintiffs. <laughs> I love that. So much. Okay, that's that's genius. That's genius um, there's going to be many many power bombs thrown uh, next week. And I was one of the people who was finger wagging because I really felt like the MJF hullabaloo last week really really shot that whole Wardlow push right in the foot. Just between the no selling of the whole match. And Wardlow just wrestling JD Drake. It I'm glad that it looks like they reestablished where he's going going forward, because I don't think last week helped him at all. No, I'm with you too, yeah. And and I think we talked about that in last week's flagship. It was like you had to do this MJF story and and okay, we get it, but then he has to come out and you know not really sell the injury, not really sell that he was taken away on a stretch or do his thing. Uh, and then he just co- completely took over that show, and then like completely forgettable. Like an hour later, Wardlow just goes out there and, and faces JD Drake, and it's just like, all right, and we're just back to the same shit where Wardlow's just you know beating up jobbers or whatever. And 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 yeah, you definitely need something a little bit more uh, than him just beating up jobbers. Uh, and I guess the idea is him beating up twenty jobbers, which I am into. Like that, that is enough for me. That will placate me at least for a little bit uh, to then kind of get rid of the Mark Sterling story, get rid of that, and then work your way up to him actually winning the TNT title. So uh, it's a it's a nice course correction, like you said. Beat everybody up, uh, mow down a bunch of dorks, and then move on to to whatever the next step in Wardlow's career is. So so I am definitely here for it, uh, and that crowd is going to go absolutely nuts uh, for each and every one of the forty five power bombs they're about to see next week on uh, on Dynamite. So. Oh. All right. No. Let's. Uh, you done with the, anything more you wanted to bring up about uh, AEW, uh, CM Punk interim title? Anything else uh, on, on that? Or? No, I. I think we covered it. Um, yeah. Very exciting. Not as exciting as WWE Hell in a Cell. Oh God, not as exciting as WWE Hell in a Cell. But Aaron, I'm gonna have to. I have to make you and everybody else wait for the Hell in a Cell premium live event. 
review. Because I have to tell you about HelloFresh, who are sponsoring this week's episode of the Flagship Podcast. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients, and seasonal recipes delivered right your doorstep. You can skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. And that is why they are America's number one meal uh, meal kit. You can get farm fresh seasonal produce and easy to make recipes delivered right to your door each and every week. Ingredients travel from the farm to your doorstep in under a week. So they always arrive fresh all without a trip to the grocery store or the farmer's market. And I can say from personal experience, I will the stuff that I get from HelloFresh does last a lot longer than the stuff I get at the grocery store. I, I have gotten stuff uh, from HelloFresh and a week later, two weeks later, I'm still able to make it. All the produce uh, stays good uh, for a long, long time. So I really do appreciate that. But uh, yeah, as far as HelloFresh, I can pick uh, your favorites from over 50 different weekly uh, meal options and skip weeks when you need to, which I did this week. The nurse was going to be out of town. So I was like, well, I don't need to cook for myself. Who cooks for themselves? Cooking for one? Nah, I'm not doing that. Uh, change your delivery date, update your preferences, all that you need to do in the, fellow, uh, the HelloFresh app. Uh, HelloFresh has fit and wholesome recipes for satisfying and nutritious meals that can uh, make you feel good with uh, six recipes per week uh, to choose from, including low-calorie and carb-conscious options. You can also uh, customize your favorite dishes with their Hello Custom offerings. You can swap out proteins or decide for another, upgrade for a more luxury experience, or even add protein to a veggie meal. That means more choices, more variety, and more meals truly tailored uh, to you. So we have a very good deal for you guys. Go to HelloFresh.com slash VOW16 and use the code VOW16 for 16 free meals and three free gifts. Again, that's HelloFresh.com slash VOW16 and use the promo code VOW16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. Again, HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Go to HelloFresh.com slash VOW16 and use that promo code VOW16 for 16 free meals and three free gifts. All right, let us get to Hell in a Cell, a premium live event. Um, Nobody cares about the rest of the show. Let's just talk. We're going to talk about the whole show, but we have to start with Cody working the main event with a torn pectoral muscle. We heard over the weekend that Cody injured it uh, slightly on Raw, then uh, like an absolute maniac was lifting weights on a torn pec, which uh, guess how that goes? Not great. You tear it even more. So he tore it even more. It started as a slight tear, turned into a full tear, uh, and then we weren't sure. And then somewhere along the line on Sunday, we got the report that Cody is still on the books to wrestle Seth Rollins at Hell in a Cell. You, me, and probably everybody in the world thinking, all right, he's going to come out. There's going to be some schmas. The guy's going to attack Cody. They're going to take him out of the match. And then on Sunday night, we were treated to the American Nightmare, Cody Rhodes, taking off his robe and revealing his gigantic, horribly bruised, ripped, torn pack. And then the psychopath wrestled a 25-minute Hell in a Cell match. Aaron, what the hell is this guy doing and did you love it? Did you hate it? Where were you at with watching Cody Rhodes with a torn pectoral muscle wrestling in a Hell in a Cell in the main event? Uh, I mean, it's his choice. I screamed, and the friend I was watching this premium live event with also screamed. Um, absolutely horrifying. Um, but if he wants to do it, I think it made the match a thousand times more compelling than it would have been otherwise. Um I was not excited for um, Cody and freaking number three, but once that happened, I was hooked the entire time. I think they delivered a, a great match, and there was just a fear that at any moment the whole right side of Cody's body would shut down, and um, 
scary, but exciting. So major props to him. I think he probably saw this as a moment that he could cement really his Mick Foley off the top of the cell moment. And he went for it. And I think it's going to pay off for the rest of his career. Certainly. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the angle that, that I have taken from this as well. Um, is I'm kind of like you. It's hey, it, look, it's it's not my body. <laughs> you know, for the for the record, like if if this guy wants to put himself through tremendous pain for you know our pleasure, you know, more power to you. It is pro wrestling. You know that that's part of the game. You know, injuries are a part of the game. With that being said, like it's also uh, I think a little bit different. Like because you're absolutely right to compare it to you know mankind falling off the cell and pretty much gaining the trust of Vince McMahon and and doing all that sort of stuff. Cody's kind of doing the same thing as well with this. He is saying, look, I, I, I don't want to give up this main event. I don't want to, you know, take this main event away from people. So I will wrestle with the torn pack. And, and he knows damn well that this is something that is going to just endear, endear him to forever in, in this company. Like Vince McMahon will never forget this. He will definitely be rewarded in the future for this. I, I think fans will, you know, gain a, a, an extra level of respect for this guy as well. And the good part about this, too, is that we're not talking about head trauma. We're not talking about, you know, stuff that could actually change and alter someone's life. Like, it's a torn pack. And, like, yeah, it sucks, and it's it's a big injury, and it's a tough injury, and it's a, probably a very painful injury. But at the end of the day, it's still a torn pack. Like, this is something that he can easily come back from unless he created even more damage by wrestling this match. It was probably just going to kind of suck and hurt a little bit. But if he could get through the match and, 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 and do it okay, then, yeah, he's probably not any worse for wear than he would have been just kind of sitting at home. Uh, or whatever. He's still going to need the surgery. He's still going to need to get it all fixed or whatever. Um, so, yeah, it is his Mick Foley moment, but it wasn't like, you know, Mick Foley had to almost quite literally die in the ring to kind of prove, hey, you know, I, I belong at the top of this company, or hey, you know, you deserve to put your trust in me. That's not quite what Cody's doing here. And, and so I, I can't get too, because there was a lot of like, you know, safety police people being like, oh, this is horrible for the wrestling business. This is awful. Like, I don't know, man. Like, I don't think it's, I, I don't think it was that horrific or that terrible. It was a horrific sight, no doubt about it. But yeah, I don't. If if he was fine with it, if it wasn't WWE saying, "Hey, Cody, you have to work here," because that's a whole different animal. If Cody comes to the arena and goes, "Hey, look, my pack is is fucked. I can't wrestle," and they go, well, "God damn, get out there," and you know that's a whole different animal. But we're talking about Cody Rhodes. You know what I mean? Like, there's no doubt in my mind that somebody probably told Cody, "Hey, look, pal, you don't have to work this match." And Cody's saying, "Oh, fuck no, I'm working." I mean, it's it's Cody Rhodes, like. Look at what the guy has done over the last, you know, five years of, of his life, what he's done to his body in the last five years. I mean, he is he is Dusty Rhodes' son, for God's sake. So I, I have no doubt in my mind that Cody was all in on working this match. And if WWE was, you know, fine enough with it and they at least had a doctor check it and say, hey, look, it can't get any worse or, you know, whatever. Uh, I do trust them to just kind of say, hey, look, this is a, a real interesting, you know, thing that we're going to do here. Uh, Cody, it's going to probably help your career more than, you know anything else that you've done as of late in WWE. I mean, this is a moment that we will always kind of remember. So, you know, more power to him if, if he was able to do this and, and get through the match without being in too much of horrific pain. But, you know, he seemed fine for the most part. It, it didn't uh, didn't seem like it distracted too much from the match. And, and like you said, it definitely added a level of intrigue uh, for the match because it just was like crazy, crazy, crazy um, to have him come out there, see the bruise, and then say, oh, my God, you were watching the first 10 minutes of the match. And the crowd was, too. If you notice, the crowd for the first five minutes was like, oh, my God, what are we watching? <laughs> like, this isn't, you know, they were, they could clearly felt awkward. But then when Cody did a few moves and they were just like, ah, oh, you know what? It's just Cody working a wrestling match. Everybody was kind of fine with it and ended up actually helping the match a lot. Like, I didn't love the, love the match. Uh, but like you said, the difference of how interested I was in watching Freakin versus Cody before the injury and how I was after the injury, I mean, it was it was night and day. This is a match that I had to watch, you know, when I learned that, that Cody was going to work it with his injury. So, I don't know. I, I I can't get too upset about it. 
I don't, you know, am I hoping and rooting for every wrestler to, you know, work through horrible injuries? Not really, but I think this is a very special case of 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 the right guy at the right time in the right moment. And you know what? Hey, he did it, and now he's going to go away for a little while. And uh, WWE's kind of screwed because <laughs> they don't have anybody because uh, they told Roman he didn't have to come to work for a while, and he said, "Hey, I got a new deal, and I'm not coming to work for a while." Uh, and now they have nobody, so they're going with. Edge as their next babyface superstar, which I don't know if that's going to work very great, but uh, I don't know. I I, I can't we're, I, I can't get too upset about this Cody thing. You seem like you're on the same page as well. No, yeah. Um, and Roman is really not coming to work for a while. Um, like more <laughs> yeah, so- they're like he's like, bro, I ain't coming to Money in the Bank. You know that, right? And they're like, yeah, yeah, no, we got it, we got it. Let's just take you <laughs> off the advertising, okay? No, right. we do. We're sorry, we're sorry. He's like, <laughs> you know, bro, I'm not coming to the fucking Money in the Bank. We're not at the stadium anymore, right? And they're like, no, no, no. But he's like, no, I'm not doing that. I'll come at SummerSlam. They're like, okay, sir, okay, <laughs> like, we'll see you there. Tribal Chief does not do intimate confines. And- <laughs> right, the intimate confines of the MGM Grand Garden Arena. Um. Yeah, no, it was his choice. I think it, it's it's calculated because it probably, the horror that some people feel looking at the injury is probably outweighs the amount of pain he was in. I'm sure he was in a whole bunch of pain, but to those of us like myself who are not athletes, it probably, like I'm imagining, like the most excruciating thing ever. So I think it was the right move. And also just to be cynical, what else were they going to do anyway other than just have him wrestle? Um they're out of wrestlers, so well, you know, freaking gonna go out there and just laugh for a half hour? That's terrible. <laughs> I mean, probably. Yeah, Look, I mean, the, the alternatives were much, much worse here. Like I said, you have Cody come out, and somebody comes down, but again, who is that somebody? Even fantasy booking, like, who could that somebody be? They don't have anybody. <laughs> they, they, how does the... This company's a billion-dollar company, and they don't have wrestlers. What happened? They, they're out of people. Um... <laughs> And for the record, Freaking is my least favorite wrestler on the planet right now. Um, not just because he is a disgrace to our shared hometown of Davenport, Iowa, um, but just awful. The laugh is terrible. The character doesn't make any sense. His work, it, I, I can't get into his work anymore. It's just the most unbearable human on the planet right now. It's rubbed off on Becky also because now she tries to be female him. Uh, just terrible, awful, awful. Sorry, I just had to. <sighs> it really hurts me. Oh, you're, 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 it's, it's, it, it is tough. Yeah, Davenport, Iowa is not being well represented uh, on a weekly basis by Mister Freaking. But uh, yeah, I don't know the match itself. Like, I saw some people that loved it. Like, we have somebody in the chat right now that said a top ten match of the year for me. I didn't like it on that level, and that might just be that like I no longer can like any WWE matches. <laughs> like I, I might be completely broken because you know I watched it like the day afterwards, and I saw a lot of people be like, "Oh my god, that was incredible! Like that was one of the best matches I've ever seen. That was one of the matches of the year. Like one of the better WWE matches." I thought it was fine. Like I, I didn't hate it at all. I thought it was pretty good, but yeah, I didn't like it on that level. Um, so I guess maybe that's more of a you know a me problem because I think it still is getting pretty good. Uh, reviews elsewhere. I think. Uh, let me let me pop up cage match. I had it. Oh, I'm today. I'm in that camp. That's easily my favorite Fed match of the year. Okay, so yeah, what 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 did you like? Was it just the Cody thing, or did you think it was well worked uh, in general? I I think it was well worked, but I think it was mostly just the Cody thing because at least it engaged me. I thought their WrestleMania match was good, but I didn't think it stood out over anything Cody had done in AEW. I didn't watch their follow up match because I just didn't watch WrestleMania Payback Backlash. Fight back, WrestleMania fight back, whatever. Um, yeah, I think the Cody thing just hooked me, and um, 
And if that's what it's going to be, I'm not going to fault it based on what got my attention. So I'm not going to hold that against it. So, yeah. Uh, when was the last time a WWE match had any kind of real life stakes or engagements like that? So it was the Cody thing. Yeah, and, and that that is absolutely true. I mean, I, I you have not seen a WWE match this year. And that includes WrestleMania, for God's sake. <laughs> you know what I mean? That that had this sort of stuff. Like, it passed the mom test. Like, I had my mom the next day text me and say, did you see Cody? And I was like, yeah, I did. You know, it, it was it was that sort of level. And I got to work, and, like, two of the guys that were, like, wrestling fans were, like, waiting for me to walk in. And they're like, let's talk about the Cody thing. So we had to, you know, it was it was hitting everybody. everybody I mean, just people that out of the woodwork, I had friends texting me, my mom texting me, my coworkers talking about it. It, it, it hit that level. And, yeah, right now, 876 uh, on cage match uh, and and some really really good ratings. 126 people uh, rated it 10 out of 10 out of the 279 people that have voted on cage match. So it's pretty damn good. There and and there's really no rate. I mean, there's a couple like you know one guy wrote it at a zero, but like get out of here, dork. You know what I mean? It's not a zero. One person did a one. Get the hell out of here. Uh, but yeah, the majority of people were in the upper echelon of 10, nine, eight, or seven. So uh, yeah, it's definitely going to be a match. I'm very curious what it does on like the voices wrestling match of the year. I, I think it's one that's going to stand the test of time. I mean, you are going to remember this match. How do you not remember this match? Other great matches get lost throughout the course of the year because the wrestlers involved either have other good matches or, you know, other, you know, another company comes and they have a bunch of other good matches or we forget about stuff that happened in January. But who is going to forget Cody Rhodes going out there with this horrific torn pack uh, and wrestling this match and then not shying away from that pack either and making it a central part of the match too, which I did give all the respect in the world to Cody because it would have been easy to have him, you know, work the other side or have it be, you know, Co uh, you know, Seth working over his leg. But he was clear like, no, let's make this the biggest part of the match. We can't avoid this. So let's just go at it. So, you know, he tries the crossroads. He can't do it. Seth stomps on it. All I mean, they made the match all about that torn pack. And I got to give those guys a ton of credit as well for that. Even though if I didn't love the match on the level that some other people did, they didn't shy away from the injury and just said, you know what, fuck it. It's hurt. I'm in pain. Just target it. Let's let's make that the focal part of the match, which it, it had to be. It had to be that because it just wouldn't have been realistic to have the match be, you know, Seth working over his leg when, you know, the guy's got a torn pectoral. That's what you're going to target if it's a quote-unquote fight or whatever. So I appreciated that part of it. But, uh, yeah, I, all the all the credit in the world to Cody for going out there uh, and, and doing it, and uh, yeah, now he he goes away for a little while. I forget how long he's a normal Toran Peck is, but uh, it's going to be long enough that, uh, as we mentioned, they're going to be in a little bit of trouble here uh, for the next uh, few weeks and months because uh, they don't have wrestlers. Uh, yeah, I, as what happens when the topic of them not having wrestlers, I am now on the vaunted uh, WWE.com roster page. Oh, don't do that. It is dot <laughs> it's not good yeah it's it's not in, until you pop up there and see the faces because like you go to the wikipedia page and you're like ah oh, they got plenty of dudes or whatever but if you go and like to the wb.com roster page and look at who the superstars are you're like oh no there's nobody like these are it's just a parade of dorks you have to have you know you still have to have on this raw roster page stephanie and a man known as triple h <laughs> um, are listed on this roster. That's a deceased man there. No, I, I, are we done with that? Have we officially declared him alive again? Because I know there was the, the internet rumor, of course, that he had passed away. But uh, I, I believe he shambled out weekend at Bernie's style for an NXT. Was he? Wasn't he? Uh, didn't we see the body at an NXT thing? Um. <laughs> also on the roster page, know. and I found this very funny for some reason. They have two pictures of the head of the table 
for each title. One picture for each title. <laughs> right, I love it. So, yeah, not um, him holding both belts. Oh, it's well, him holding both well, belts. He, well, he is holding both belts. I will say one what? thing is great. One of them appears clearly photoshopped. The uh, the universal title, right? Like, are you looking? You're looking at the same picture I am, yeah. right? Clearly photoshopped, right? I assume. I mean, I would not put that past them. They did the same for the Usos, so and the uh, women's tag team title currently held by one person, vacant. Yeah, vacant. <laughs> abeyance. I, I, hopefully, Vince doesn't see that because he is going to get upset that it doesn't say abeyance. The title's held in abeyance there, but uh, there you go. Yeah, vacant. Uh, you're, it's, it's, it's a 1998 WCW thing where a single person holds uh, both tag team titles here, vacant, uh, holding the women tag team titles. Yeah, it's a dire roster page. When you go there, you really get an idea of like, oh, man, like there's nothing on this roster. And, um, well, uh, we, 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 I guess we started going in the direction a little bit of what they were going to do on this uh, Hell in a Cell. Anything more about Cody and, and Seth before I quickly go over the rest of the show, and then we can uh, get to some other stuff here? Uh, no, I think we can dive into excruciating detail onto this uh, premium live event. Yeah, I'm going to go move by move here, so I hope you're ready for the play-by-play action uh, of everything going on. But I'm going to bounce around a little bit here, because uh, you had the Judgment Day, Damian Priest, Edge, and Rhea Ripley defeating uh, AJ Styles, Finn Balor, and Liv Morgan. And uh, this was very unique in the sense that, okay, so the Judgment Day wins, Edge wins, and then the next night, his team turns on him and aligns himself with the guy that Edge pinned at Hell in a Cell. And if you knew you were going to do that, which you clearly probably were after the Cody injury, like you knew Cody was hurt, right? Cody comes to the arena. He's got a torn pack. You know, the torn pack is not going to heal overnight, right? You know that this guy is done. He's going to work this match at Hell in a Cell, and then he has to be done to get surgery because his pack is fucking destroyed, right? You knew that. I would hope so. I would hope so as well. You know then that you need another person. Like, did they decide on Raw that Edge was going to be the guy that they were going to put in that spot? Or did they think about it on Sunday? Or did they just get through Sunday? Because, like, it seems like an easy win to have Finn Balor pin Edge and then the next night, the Judgment Day be like, hey, dude, you're old and you're holding us down. And then they turn on him and join Finn Balor. They did the opposite, where Edge got the win, and then they're like, ah, you suck. It's like, what are you talking about? He just got the win. You know, he, he just helped you guys win the match, and he pinned the guy that you're joining with. This is not bad. This is not sound judgment from Damian Priest and Rhea Ripley, but uh, I guess there's, no, uh, there's nothing sound about Judgment Day. So, the, Sorry, the Judgment Day. Um, I've been enjoying the whole saga of... Um... Is this going to be a spiritual, uh, supernatural group, or is that a story that's been planted? Um, I, I really am excited to see the direction that this uh, the Judgment Day goes. Um, but there's there's another thing I think we need to talk about with this six man, which I thought was a totally fine match. Um, really sad that um, the Bullet Club lost. Let's acknowledge Liv Morgan, Bullet Club member. For about a week, is she on the um, on the wiki? Because they they try uh, to keep that up. Is she a, a a honorary bullet babe on the uh, on the wiki or no? I am sending you oh. a edit that might have been done. <laughs> yes, by your current co-host of this. Uh, yes, podcast. incredible. It lasted all of a day. Oh man! And then someone re-edited it. And put in the note, Liv Morgan is not part of Bullet Club. Wow. The- Fuck that guy. <laughs> yes, she is. 
Like, I'm like, okay, buddy, if you want Amber Gallows to be the bullet babe in perpetuity. <laughs> right, yeah, we can't let, I mean, she cannot continue to be the bullet babe. We, we have a new bullet babe. We need to move Amber Gallows out of here. Uh, in the edit that you sent me, why is there two Amber Gallows? Does anybody need two Amber Gallows? Um, I Did have you never... do that or how that happens? So what happened was, I am um, not having ever edited a wiki before. <laughs> I I copied the formatting for Amber Gallows. Oh. But when I went to edit, I accidentally deleted Brandy Rhodes. Yeah. <laughs> so really, no harm was caused. Yeah, that's fine. I think that's okay. Uh, <laughs> that's... So you really, it was a sloppy edit, and that's why the editors were like, "All right, we got to look into this person. Maybe they don't have, you know, they're on the up and up." And then they discovered that Liv. Morgan, not a true. Well, that, that's bullshit. Because, yeah, you have, I, I see it here in the screenshot. Uh, Liv Morgan, May 23rd, 2022. Final appearance, May 30th, 2022. Uh, I say you try it again. I say the listeners, I think we all should try it again. If, if you have Wikipedia edit, edit uh, functions, I think you should get in there uh, and try to do it. Because it's right. It's only right. You know, that was a Bullet Club match, right? I, they alluded you know, to I, it numerous I, times. They did the finger thing. That's, that's Bullet Club. It was the two, the first two original leaders of Bullet Club. Exactly. How much more endorsement do you need? Um, yeah, so uh, Liv Morgan. Look, if Mephesto is going to get on here for his one-day appearance, I think Liv Morgan can get on there for her I mean, Bullet Club appearance. Yeah, Mephesto, that's a, that's a Marvel character, so <laughs> I don't even know what that's about. Um, wild. Um, so. I, I, I unfortunately, I, I don't know why, I'm looking here and... The editors have, you know, Scott Norton as April 16th, he joined April 17th final appearance. We, we don't know that that's the final appearance of Scott Norton as a Bull Club member. Like, that's a big assumption by the Wikipedia editors that that one half of, uh, <laughs> of Vicious and Delicious is never going to be in the Bull Club again. Like, I don't know. I'm not taking that bet. I think if, if the time comes, he's, 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 he, they announced him as the newest. I was there live in the building. They announced him as the newest member of the Bullet Club. They didn't say for one time only or this night only member of the Bullet Club. They said the newest member of the Bullet Club. So, again, there's a lot of, there's a lot of looseness going on here in this Bullet Club Wikipedia. So, you know, I don't know why Liv can't get on there. Um, there'll, there'll be some uh, edits made for sure. Some future attempts. Uh, oh, definitely. Because, um, I assume now that the Damien and Rhea Ripley are now in Bullet Club um, via association, obviously, with uh, Baylor, Finn Baylor. So, <sighs> the saga. But, yeah, what a horrible, terrible angle on Monday. Um, I do hope it gets more supernatural. I need uh, Rhea Ripley to have a demon form. Um, I'm only watching now for the worst possible outcomes. So, um, overall, a very fine match. Um, nine out of ten. <laughs> I'm, uh, it's unfortunate that I just this week discovered, I, not discovered, but I guess it just clicked with me. I knew that this was part of the song, but it just never hit me on that level. That the beginning of the Judgment Day theme song is, you think you know me, but you never did. <laughs> there is nothing dorkier. Than that beginning to have, and then Edge comes out. And he's like, "You people, you thought you knew me, you never did." Like it's the dorkiest shit ever. And now it's like, oh man, just as I began to appreciate just how dorky it is, it's all over. So uh, and now we have to run back Edge as the top babyface, which uh, not looking at numbers here, but I will just assume did huge business and be a great idea, and uh, certainly will uh, will we'll do well uh, both at the box office and on television. So yeah, cannot wait for. Because uh, especially when you get a guy, when you when you have you know injuries up and down the the roster, and, and you know you're you're 
your fill-in top babyface gets hurt, you know who you have to go to. It's, of course, a 48-year-old man who was previously retired for a horrible uh, neck injury is who you definitely have to go to. So uh, it makes all the sense in the world uh, to go to Edge as your next uh, hot baby face. So excited to see how the summer unfolds in World Wrestling Entertainment. All right, real quickly, I'm going to go over the other uh, matches on the show here, and then we can get to some other uh, topics here. The uh, Raw Women's title, that was the opener here. Bianca Belair, Asuka, and Becky Lynch. 19 minutes. I thought this was pretty damn good. Uh, The crowd was super hot for it. And uh, I was kind of surprised, but definitely the right decision there to have Bianca Belair uh, retain the title. Um, You had to get, like, unfortunately, like, immediately when Bianca wins, you had to have the Becky making funny faces outside type of thing. But uh, I think ultimately this was a really... One match, like a, a good triple threat, a WWE triple threat style match. I mean, there was a lot of the tropes that you get with these types of matches, but I still thought they went out there and they busted their ass, and this was really, really good. It's definitely a sign that, hey, look, you know, and, and this is bold and this is wild, but like, hey, maybe if all your men and you don't have dudes that can wrestle and none of your guys are stars, maybe just push women. You know what I mean? Like, this might be the summer to say, fuck it. Let's go all the way with Bianca Belair. Fuck it. Let's go all the way with Becky Lynch. Um, no, they don't have Sasha anymore, but hey, this would have been a good opportunity to go with Sasha. Like, you know what I mean? I, that's kind of the direction I would go. And maybe this is a, a wake up call to say, Hey, you know what? Screw it. Let's just make Bianca Belair like a main eventer. Let's just have her in big spots. Let's see what happens. Like, what do you have to lose at this point? I mean, it's better than fucking edge, you know? So, uh, but I thought this was a great showing for Bianca. Uh, Asuka looked great after being out for a while and, and, and Becky's solid as always. Uh, I could, I could, like you said, lose the, you know, I'm wearing funny makeup and oh my God, look at my outfits and the, and the crazy faces. But you know, once the bell rings, she's still back in. She can still deliver. Yeah, this was really good. Um, they've gotten really good over the last year or two at having these three ways that while remaining somewhat tropey, they've done very good at having spots interconnect, having everyone involved. Um, I still could go without the, you hit someone with a finish, but I pushed you out and pinned them finish, which they still haven't figured out how to do anything other than that. But this was really good. I would have really liked Asuka versus Bianca one-on-one. Um, but I know we're probably just not going to get that on a pay-per-view. I'm, I'm sorry, premium live event. Thank you. Um, you're, you're welcome, of course, of course. Um, but if it's not going to be that, then I think this was good. I think Asuka looked really good coming back. I thought some of her strikes, especially with Becky, were snug and really enjoyable. Bianca has improved so much and is still improving. Um, she is a star in the WWE sense and yeah, this was really good. And I don't want to say to check the bullet club lineup on the wiki again, but just saying, um, that, <laughs> let me see. I want to see it in the flash live on the air here on the, uh, the flagship live. Let me go to the bullet club Wikipedia just so I can, can see it happen before those dastardly people edit it yet again. There she is. Fantastic. Amber Gallows, Randy Rhodes and Liv. Morgan. Oh, you, you added time. Look. You added time to her. To her uh, uh, yeah, I, was, I see you updated it to the current time of her final appearance. So fantastic. So hopefully it's still. Uh, yeah. And then there's Mao. And then uh, under Mao. Oh, oh my God. I didn't even notice there's Damien and Rhea Ripley too as, as part time members of, uh, of the Bullet Club. Oh, man. You're going to get in some Wikipedia edit trouble here, but uh, I'm all for it. So. Yeah, I don't know what. Damian I like that you didn't link to Damien Priest's actual. That's just what I put in. I don't know what is a Wikipedia <laughs> under. Yeah, but... I don't know. It's like it can't be under Punishment Martinez anymore, right? Or he's got to have a wiki, uh, right? 
Unless I don't know how to spell Damien. Uh, oh, it's I mean, uh, Oh, you got it. It's, uh, oh, uh, it is. Careless. Don't don't let this be sloppy. They're gonna get. Now we'll just have to tidy that up. Now, do you edit but, other stuff? Because this gonna is this gonna interfere with your other edits, or did you create an account solely to do this? I don't even. I'm not even logged in. I... <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> um. Now, Rich, the fallout from this match, obviously, the next night was Becky Lynch dropping a fall to Dana Brooke, and I think we have to mention that. Do we? <laughs> Uh, yeah, biggest well, let's, moment. No, let's mention it then. We mentioned it. Are we done? No, but yeah, what, you're, I, I you're believe, Dana Brooke number one fan for sure, right? I, I've always been in the statistician Dana Brooke, whose gimmick was stolen by someone in NXT. Um, what was, but what was yeah, the believe... thing that she always... Oh, championship. <laughs> she would always say, I'm going to win the championship or something. I, I love the horror of Monday. I assume Becky was going to win the 24-7 title. Then Dana Brooke beat her, which is something I also didn't think was going to happen. Um, it was a roller coaster. That's why I immediately, just to look behind the curtain, messaged Rich and said, we have to talk about how they made Dana Brooke a star in one night. A star-making performance for Dana Brooke. Did, did anybody tweet that? I, don't, I, didn't, uh, I didn't see, but I'm sure uh, people were saying, wow, what a star-making performance. Did you make that up? Did she actually drop a fall to Dana Brooke? I didn't watch Raw, obviously, because I'm... Oh, no, she totally... Man, okay, so... so. Yeah, Raw kicked off with uh, Dana Brooke versus Becky Lynch, which is definitely a match you would start Raw with. The 24-7 geeks came out in the middle of the match. Becky told them all to F off, and I will challenge you for that 24-7 division title. I howled with laughter, and then Asuka helped uh, hold Becky's foot down so Dana could get the fall and retain her belt. Becky on the ascent for that uh, eventual. That sounds truly horrid. Um, I'm just gonna assume. I'm not gonna look it up to see if you're. you're I'm just gonna assume that's either fa great fantasy booking or terrible fantasy booking or something like that. I'm not even gonna look it up to see if you're you're being truthful. I just trust that 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 seems so ridiculous that you can't possibly have made it up. So I'm gonna I'm gonna let that one slide. So, um, yikes. All right, uh, two on one handicap match. Bobby Lashley defeats MVP and Omos. What a surprise. Bobby Lashley defeats MVP and almost. We had also some weird Cedric Alexander stuff where he was like, hey, MVP, I want to be in the Hurt Business. MVP's like, bro, what are you talking about? We're done. Like, What are you doing? Like, Move on with your life. Go do something else. And uh, Ced's not ready to move on with his life. He's still, he's like, you know, the, the ex who just can't let it go. It's like, dude, it's over. It's done. It's okay. Like, it's fine. Move on to other people. See other people. You're, you're a good looking guy. You can find other people. Uh, yeah, he still wants the Hurt Business to be a thing. And it's a... Uh, Sidely, not a thing anymore. So, at least he's alive. At least yeah. he's got a job, I guess. So that's cool. Um, yeah, I enjoy Cedric's gimmick of just being a loser. Um, that no one wants to be friend with, not even Shelton no. anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Even Shelton's like, bro, it's over, man. If you want to go ask him, you can go ask him. I'm not gonna ask him. Like, it's over. <laughs> you want to ask Lashley if he wants to do the hurt business thing again? You can, man. But I'm out. Don't get me in the in the middle of this. So. Uh, but. Yeah, um, yeah, I like Bob's gear. Nice, nice gear. This match went eight minutes. Yeah, and they clearly, and you can tell, there was clearly something. So Bobby Lashley wins this match, and then a referee runs up to him and says something, and all of a sudden Bobby Lashley's like frantically looking around ringside, 
finds a replica title belt and holds it up in the air and goes, yeah. <laughs> and then, the you know, Corey Graves has to go, ah, that's a bit of a sign from Bobby Lashley telling us what's next in his <laughs> step or whatever. So clear that they're also going to try to ascend Ashley, uh, Lashley into some sort of uh, title picture uh, as well. Uh, him, him frantically finding a replica title belt in the front row was awesome television. And Rich, that title picture would be the United States title oh. as next night on Raw, he compared biceps with the man known only as Theory, so it looks like that will be his next program going for the championship of the United States of America. Hey, that's a, a new, completely new, uh, interesting direction for him, something he has obviously not done uh, very recently uh, as well. Uh, then we had Kevin Owens versus Ezekiel. I have absolutely no time for this Ezekiel thing, just the absolute dirt war stuff. Where, where do you stand on this Ezekiel story? Are, are you into it, out of it? Where, where are you at? Um, I've reached a zen-like place of not having an emotional investment. Um, I think, so, going with the thought experiment that the other option is the drifter, I think Ezekiel is much more fun. He has tassels from his arms. Um, It has forced him to try to wrestle a little bit harder, and very much like a 1980s babyface. Um, I think he does pretty good with the material he's given, especially on the uh, social media platforms. Um, So I think accepting what it is and not wanting to see the Drifter ever again, I think it's fine. And I like that Kevin Owens, who main evented WrestleMania two months ago, uh, just kind of shut him down and won the match. Yeah, it, it was nice. I mean, obviously, the promo package before was just, like, awful. Like, if you just bounced, you, you knew nothing about this feud at all, and you watched this promo package where it's Kevin Owens being like, you're Elias, and Ezekiel being like, no, I'm not, and Kevin Owens being like, yeah, you are, for, like, four minutes. <laughs> it's just like, oh, my God. Like, this is the story. This is what we're doing. But, uh, yeah, you're right. The match itself was perfectly fine. And, yeah, I don't mind this Ezekiel thing. I think it's 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 fine. Like you said, the, the alternative is the drifter, and that's terrible. Uh, I don't love like the build of this and it's kind of, you know, boring and it's the same thing over and over and over again for weeks upon weeks upon weeks upon weeks. Uh, but the match itself I thought was pretty good. Kevin Owens just went out there and he just beat him and just moved on. So that was uh, uh that was cool to see. So we talked about the Judgment Day uh, versus the 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 faux Bullet Club here. Uh then we had the No Holds Barred match. Mad Cap Moss defeats Happy Corbin in 12 minutes. Uh this is a match uh, I think the highlight of which was the fans being really, really, really excited to see somebody go through a table and these two men being like, we can't do a table spot, sorry. <laughs> like, in the best way possible, telling the crowd, like, don't get upset, we can't do it because Cody and Seth are going to do a table spot. So they tried so hard to just, like, make the fans not want tables. Like, no, tables are dumb, you don't want tables, tables are stupid. And the fans just be like, we want tables for, like, five minutes into this match until the last second of it, these fans were just anxious to have somebody go through a table. Uh, but unfortunately, they never got that with uh, Mad Cat Moss and Happy Corbin. Uh, Rich, is it wrong that I miss uh, Mad Cat Moss's suspenders gear? Because he is a bare bones creator wrestler now. Yeah, I I like the I, I like the I think there's a way for him to use the suspenders in like a good way, like use it for his his own powers. Because yeah, without him, he's just a dude. You know what I mean? He's just a guy with muscles and a, a ponytail or whatever. I think you gotta you gotta find a way to integrate the the ta- the the suspenders somehow. You know, make that it's still his gimmick, but uh, they got rid of it, which is unfortunate. I and um, a guy. I mean, they insist in having Jerry Lawler around. Can't he just give the young man a uh, a lesson in when to pull the straps down? And, right. That's uh, that's a great gimmick where you know the match starts and he he's like you know that's the old me and this is the new me and he takes his tassels down and then goes like 
I, I think that could work. Because the tassels, I have to admit, I did become a fan of the uh, the Mad Cat Moss tassels. Or the tassels, I keep saying tassels. Uh, the Mad Cat Moss uh, suspenders. But yeah, without them, it, it, he does feel like he's lacking a little bit. He is very much just a generic. He reminds me of like every single dude that came out of OVW for like, or every dude that came out of like FCW for a while there. You know, where it was just like next generic rock song steroided up dude that came out and you're like dude who the fuck is this guy <laughs> like who is this guy he has nothing and and Mac up I, I think he's better than that he has a lot of talent I think there is something there but yeah you don't want to make him look too generic or come across too kind of one-dimensional and I think they've unfortunately kind of done that so far with Mac but we'll see uh what happens in the future and then the most hilarious part of I think this entire show the WWE United States title match Theory versus Mustafa Ali they do a big time deal about Mustafa Ali being from Chicago, Illinois. They show his family and they're wearing shirts and everyone's like, yeah, that's our hometown guy, Mustafa Ali. And then I don't know if you saw the WWE.com exclusives, but it's him like hugging his kids backstage and getting ready and talking about how important it is to be in his hometown. And then in true WWE fashion, they say, fuck you. And he loses to theory. He does not even, how can, just have the guy win the U.S. title. Who cares, right? Like, who cares? Just have the guy win the U.S. title. Have the fans be happy for one fucking minute. Is it that hard to do this? I mean, when you contrast what AEW does in people's hometowns to this shit, it's like, dude, what are you doing? Just have the guy win. Or don't, Rich. don't make, just have him be, have him come out and say he's from Chicago and then kind of move on. But they did like a big to-do about this and then had him lose because heat. Because now everybody that was at that show was going to say, ah, I'm going to buy tickets in eight months to watch Theory get his next time. Like, what are we it, doing it's, it's not just look at what AEW did. Look what AEW did in that same town the previous weekend. <laughs> right. They had the biggest Chicago wrestler in the last what, 30, 40 years, win their biggest title, and then the next week, well, gotta get heat on theory. It's, yeah, and Ali gets, like, the worst part, he looks like an absolute dork, too, because he gets, like, you know, he's wearing his custom gear, you got the family and the, you know, cheering and going, yeah, that's our, that's our dad, and then he just loses, he just loses like an absolute dork. And that felt like a layup. It, it felt like the most obvious thing to do is just have him win, and they just can't do it. They just can't. They just cannot resist having the guy lose in his hometown, and it is it is mind-boggling when you compare what AEW does for everybody on the roster, from Britt Baker, Britt Baker to Lance Archer to everybody. They just have them win in their hometown, and the crowd is always happy and always excited and always loving it. And that seems like a way better strategy than having the crowd be miserable and hate everything. I don't know. Just That's just me, though, but, you know. I don't run a billion-dollar business, so what do I know? Well, Ali is still on the ascent. Don't worry. The former leader of uh, Retribution yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Retribution. is back in the main event this Friday on Peacock. Mustafa Ali back on main event. Check him out on the Peacock streaming service. So I believe I think he's wrestling T-Bar or something. I don't really know. <laughs> So he loses the Costa Mesa. Oh, he tweeted about it. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> oh. All right. Well. And so it goes. And that was the Hell in a Cell premium live event. Then, of course, the main event uh, we talked about there was uh, Cody versus Seth freaking Rollins. So. So, all right. Quickly here, Stephanie McMahon leave of absence. So a few weeks ago, Joe and I talked about Stephanie's departure from the company. Uh, but we now have some conflicting and potentially juicy reports from a few sources. 
uh, as well. So Business Insider sent out a report last week that said that Stephanie, quote, is being replaced in her corporate role as part of a shakeup executed by her father, Vince McMahon, the organization's 76-year-old CEO. The Business Insider piece had quotes from WWE Insiders. Uh, not exactly positive towards Stephanie. One of the quotes talked about the lack of growth uh, on sponsorships under Stephanie's lead. Quote, we weren't seeing that growth. When someone has moved out of a company, it's usually the result of something not working. We took stronger control of that a few months ago. So the uh, report also broke the news that former Manchester United Chief Marketing Officer Catherine Newman uh, is going to take over as the company's new out of marketing. So then that was like a juicy report. They were like, oh my God, wow. It's like Vince is like, Stephanie, you're not doing it. You're not doing the job. You got to go. Uh, Dave Meltzer, then of the Wrestling Observer, clarified that Vince McMahon did not drive Stephanie McMahon out of the company and that the leave of absence was totally on her own. So Aaron, where are you, where do you stand on this uh, uh, this story here? Is it a little bit of A, a little bit of B? Is there maybe truth in both things? Or It can't just be. There's got to be something to this business insider thing. They didn't just make this up out of whole cloth. Like something happened here right you know rich i was at a job once in a call center and i may have lost my temper uh temper with the customer and i uh yelled at them very loudly and i did it in front of a passing by training class uh, my boss at the time pulled me aside and said hey you're gonna, gonna instigate this it'll take a little bit but then you're definitely getting fired and i said okay but can i just like quit right now and she said, yeah, just put in your resignation now, and it'll look better for everyone. <laughs> and I am wondering if that is a similar situation here. Um, also, my brain can't help but think this is, yes, Vince's name is attached here, but wow, does it feel like Nick Khan circling the wagons right now. Um, Hunter's gone. Steph's gone. Vince is a corpse. Every time something like this happens, I think they're getting ready for a sale. I hate to like jump to the most wild conclusion possible, but no, I, I think you're on the right track there. And this this was the first time, and Joe, ta- Joe and I talked about it a couple weeks ago. I think this was the first time where I said, "Okay, this now feels like we're getting in that direction a little bit." Where I always push back on that and said, "Nah, nah, nah, they're not doing that." But it's not a family business anymore, and that's what I said a couple weeks ago. Like it, it, it ceased to be a family business. Once Stephanie was out, because now there's literally it's Vince is the only person left from the family who is really doing any sort of day to day operations with this company at this point. So, yeah, it does feel like you have now reached a point where it's like, oh, yeah, that that we're, we're definitely done here. Like this. This is over. <laughs> this thing is, you know, I don't know what the next step's going to be. I don't know if the, it's like imminent or whatever. But, yeah, it, it definitely it, it strikes me as getting everybody out, getting, you know, just keeping this thing, making this as cold and 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 and. Uh, callous of a company as, as humanly possible so that when you sell, there's no kind of hurt feelings or anything like that. It's like, you know, hey, let's all just cash out uh, and no one's going to lose their job or whatever because, hey, we're going to make everybody lose their job, <laughs> you know, before. But uh, yeah, no, I do. I definitely think that this is a little bit of A and a little bit of B. I think you're absolutely on the right track and you're absolutely on the track that I think that both what Dave is reporting and what the Business Insider is reporting is also true that, you know, maybe Vince said, hey, look, stuff like, these results aren't going to cut it. Um, so we're going to have to do something here. So you're probably would be smart. Like, like your boss, Aaron, you'd probably be smart to just say, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to go out on my own. And then we don't have to have the humiliating thing where we fire you or whatever. So Stephanie gets out ahead of it and says, okay, I'm taking a leave of absence to be with my family or whatever. Uh, and then the reports, you know, they, they hired a new person for that role. Like, immediately you know what i mean like just immediately they had somebody ready to go which you know if, if you're taken by complete surprise that stephanie is leaving like 
you don't really have somebody ready to go, you know, a week later. And they did. And they had somebody ready and, and clearly somebody picked out uh, and ready to go. So, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think it's it's a little bit of A, a little bit of B. I think both things of the Business Insider report are true. And also Dave Meltzer saying that, no, 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 no. You know, Stephanie did it on her own. It's like, ah, right, yeah, probably. But also, like, you know, quit before you get fired type of thing, which I think is probably what, what, what happened here. But uh, it is a, it's a big story. I mean, the succession plan we talked about a couple weeks ago, the succession plan is officially dead. Like, whatever that was is gone. Triple H, clearly not next in line to become the, you know, the, the wrestling mind of the company. And, and Stephanie no longer uh, in line to be the business side of this company. It, it's a totally different company at this point uh, right now. And it's, it's, it's Vince McMahon and Vince McMahon alone. Uh, that's pretty much the only McMahon uh, still running this thing. So, yeah, really uh, interesting. We'll see how it goes over the next few weeks. But, but I'm with you. I feel like we're, we're, um, we're getting ever closer to that inevitable sale or or the inevitable movement of the company in some way shape or form whatever that might be uh, anything else on, on stephanie i i just think the burying her in the press was a little surprising to me but also if i'm looking someone from the outside that signals to me like this person is not coming back um the if i let's say i have interest in buying this company or getting involved in some way with this company but i don't want to deal with the mcmahon's then I know that most of them are gone. And there's going to come a time in the next few years where Vince is just there for ceremonial reasons, where he still has a title because when you do the sale, you want Vince there for whatever grandiose announcement it is. But after you know pushing Steph off a cliff like this, one, no one in that company is scared of her anymore. There's no way. Um, Nick Khan does not fear Stephanie like people feared Stephanie, you know, two decades ago. And they want to signal, well, no, she's not coming back. And this is why. And so, yeah, I think the succession plan is probably selling to NBC in the end. And you're right that the business insider thing is is really interesting, too, because you have those quotes where, you know, you know, the WWE insiders or whatever are, are kind of, you know, burying her and saying some pretty, you know, bad quotes. But like, you know, take it from like you're just a random person that works in this company or whatever. You don't have any connection to the McMahons. You don't have any. You're like, you know, like why would you know? You probably look at Stephanie and go, look, you know, she's not really doing anything, and the only reason she has this job is because you know she's a McMahon or whatever. So when she gets fired, it's like you don't have any attachment to that anymore. Because like I said, it's not that family business anymore. It's not like you're getting hired because the McMahons believe in you. You're getting hired to you know be just a, an office person in this billion dollar company it has nothing to do with the mcmahon's anymore it's not it's you know tangentially a wrestling company at this point it's essentially just a rant so you know if you're just a random employee like well you don't have any respect for stephanie mcmahon you don't care you know what i mean there's not you don't really give a shit about the history of this company and the mcmahon's and all that sort of stuff you just look at somebody who's maybe not you know delivering on what their job is supposed to be and and yeah maybe then you get that, that quotes like that and there's just no reverence like why would you have you know if you just got hired two years ago in some random finance department job or whatever why would you have any reverence for stephanie mcmahon like you don't care you know, you don't even know anything about Shane McMahon. You don't know, any, you barely know anything about Triple H. And yeah, Vince McMahon doesn't even feel like the most powerful guy in that company anymore. Uh, at the end of the day, so it's it it definitely uh, it, it's it's a unique situation going on. And and, and yeah, definitely everybody should t- should take note of what's going on here because things are going to get real real wild here in the next few years. I don't think this is the last of the movements, as you said. I, I think we're definitely um, just getting started with with what's going to go on in this company uh, moving forward. So. Uh, one last hypothesis, if I may. Um, I mean, it's clearly a signal that nepotism is dead. Um, the McMahon picks, I feel, this is a signal that that's over, even when um, Michelle Wilson and George Barrios left. That was 
Vince picks and Hunter and Steph people gone. How long before Nick Khan goes for, say, Kevin Dunn? Or to go even crazier, how long till they try to switch law firms? Like, I'm wondering a timetable for anyone associated with Vince and the old regime just getting completely overhauled. I know that's insane, but I'm still wondering. Yeah, it's, uh, no, you're right. It, it, does, it does feel like we're, you know, and there's the, you know, the memes or whatever of, you know, Nick Khan doing like the Mortal Kombat thing, like cl- slowly moving up the ladder or whatever. But yeah, you do wonder if there's a time where he now is kind of like, all right, cool. I've gotten, you know, everybody else that Vince has kind of put in this company out of here. Uh, yeah, why not appoint this guy that I know who, you know, used to be the director of, you know, the NFL on NBC or whatever. Like, you know, there's probably a lot of guys. I mean, he has a ton of connections in that in, in, in the sports, you know, television business and the sports media business. So he's got directors. You know what I mean? He's got producers. He's got guys that he definitely knows and has connections to. So uh, it does feel like, yeah, maybe slowly but surely kind of beating those guys over. And, and hell, if he was able to convince, and I imagine there was probably some convincing that had to be done, if he was able to convince Vince to, you know, Tell Stephanie to hit the bricks. I mean, I don't think Kevin Dunn's going to last either. Like you said, I think uh, Vince he has undying loyalty to people, but Jesus Christ, he just let his daughter, you know, take a leave of absence or get fired or whatever. Uh, so I don't think, yeah, a guy that he has quote unquote loyalty to and like a Kevin Dunn or like you said, is is really uh, anybody that that he's going to stick to. So I don't know. Uh, and there's also the theory. I don't know if you followed this as well that the, the MLW lawsuit maybe had something to do with this. Do you like that juicy theory too? That like. There's actually legs to this MLW lawsuit, and that if if Stephanie called and said, "Hey, you know, you got to get this stuff off the air. Uh, you can't have MLW on our shows or whatever," uh, and that maybe is a thing that they're like, "God damn it, Stephanie! Like that's such an easy thing that we didn't need to do. That now, you know, we might lose this lawsuit as a result of that. That's a juicy one, but I, I don't know. Where where do you stand on that? Is there any possibility in your mind that that's part of this? That's the reality. I wish were true. I wish Stephanie woke up one late at night and said, "Ah, oh, we 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 got to get Hammerstone." Off the air, can't handle that. <laughs> it's about um, two. Ah, she wakes up on what the hell are, channel? We, what what we, channel do they air on that I don't even think I get or nobody gets? What's that channel? It's not BN anymore, right? No, I don't think so. Is it? Is they still on BN? <laughs> no, I don't know what they're on. No one knows. Um, no one knows. So I'm just hoping she she like fell asleep and like a dog like hit the remote and like turned on and then she wakes up and is like, "What the hell is this?" Like, you know, it's Fatu, you know, doing a promo and she's like, "What the hell?" Hunter, like Triple H, up late at night saying, "Oh, this Hammerstone kid." Yeah, well, yeah, that's the better theory is that she, you know, she wakes up in the middle of the night, groggy eyed and. And Hunter's down in the dead being like, oh, god damn, look at that guy. <laughs> like, good good, good look, good hair. I like this guy a lot. He's writing it down in his notebook, Hammerstone. That's a cool thing. I like that theory a lot now. Lights are look- off. He's by himself. He turns around. Oh, Stephanie, I didn't see you come in. Like, <laughs> Looking at what the hell Richard Holl- <laughs> right. Oh, Maybe we don't have to get this MJF kid. Most marketable athlete. Ugh. That's a good theory. I like that one too. But yeah, I, I, I wish that's true. And I've seen some people float that as a possibility. And yeah, that'd be, that's a fun timeline if that is actually the case. That this somehow the world of MLW and Court Bauer basically just destroyed the the future power structure of WWE as a timeline I want to be a part of. So hopefully that is partially true. Well, I want wrestling, so Court needs to uh, do a podcast about this. I think that would be very interesting. <laughs> So that is the news of Stephanie. We'll, we'll obviously keep an eye on that in the future, see what happens down the line. So uh, real quickly, I'm going to go over uh, New Japan's Dominion show, and then we're going to get to uh, Rich and Aaron uh, recommend matches to each other. And you have a special segment as well 
uh, you want me to participate as well in is uh, predicting uh, your total extreme wrestling booking for <laughs> sold out in 1998. So we're going to get to that. I'm very excited. I've been getting ready and itching to do this all day. So hopefully I can uh, deliver pretty well. But... I did watch some of the Super Junior Finals. Okay, so so you, you, you're somewhat up to speed on, on a little bit of what's going on in New Japan. But uh, we got Dominion this weekend. Uh, it's coming up on the 12th from Osaka Joe Hall, as Dominions usually are. Uh, the matches on the show, your main event is going to be for the IWGP World Heavyweight title. Uh, Okada versus Jay White. Uh, and obviously, uh, Adam Cole saving the segment last night as Adam Page is like, hey, I want Okada at Forbidden Door. And Adam Cole saying, hey, wait a minute. He might not even be the champion. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Where do you – I know you said you haven't been as up-to-date on this, but uh, would you be shocked or surprised to to have Jay White you know, win this title and then maybe Jay White goes into Forbidden Door and faces Adam Cole or Adam Page or something like that? There, I think there's a lot of moving parts that can still happen uh, with this match. I think in a world where we're not getting Punk and Tanahashi to close this show, I think you have to keep that belt on Okada and do Paige and Okada or, God help us, do a three-way with Adam Cole. Yeah. I, I, th- I think you lost... I You know, Jay White's good. I don't, I'm not a huge Jay White person. But, and I just don't see him walking in, and this would be the, you know, second New Japan Giant USA show he's walked in as the champion. Um, I just, I'm not really interested in that. So, I think you have to put in Paige and Okada there as even a replacement for losing Punk and Tanahashi. I think, to me, the better timeline would be, and I don't know if this is even, like, possible or, or anything that you can do, is get Adam Cole on a plane to Japan and have him somehow get involved in this match, maybe cost Jay White the match, and then you can, instead of trying to you know shoehorn Adam Cole uh, into that match, you have Okada versus Page uh, for the IWGP title at uh, at Forbidden Door, and then you can have Adam Cole and Jay White in just sort of you know kind of a Bullet Club grunge match or whatever, because they're, they're definitely getting to that. They're trying to get there. Adam Cole continuing to say, my very good friend, my close personal friend, Jay White. Like, there's clearly animosity there, uh, and I think that's maybe a better direction to go in, because yeah, I, I really, truly do not want to see uh, Adam Cole being shoehorned into the main event there. So I think there's something you can do. Again, I don't know even the possibility of that uh, uh, happening, but I think that's a much better timeline for me. Uh, then Okada, Cole, and Page in, in a three-way uh, match in Forbidden Door. I'm just not that interested in, in, in that. But uh, uh, speaking of three-way matches, here you have IWGP United States title here. Juice Robinson defending his title against Sonata and Will Ospreay. Now, this is interesting here because Juice just won this title, and they're obviously putting him in a big push, but you got Will Ospreay in there, and he's a big deal. Uh, Sonata, well, Sonata will be there too. But uh, yeah, this is uh, this is intriguing. I I, I do... I do wonder if they maybe go to Will here because it's, it's it's just an interesting thing to put Will in this match. You don't really have Will lose too many matches, but it's possible he could be you know sent out on the outside and then you know Juice Pitt and Sonata or whatever, and that might be the reason why they're doing this three way. But I don't know. There, there's some interesting stuff there for sure. Uh, three ways in New Japan that don't involve the junior tag team titles make me really uncomfortable feeling. Um, I learned um, an hour before we started this show that Juice Robinson joined Bullet Club. Oh yeah, yeah, right. As you're updating, was that when you were updating the uh, the the uh, the um, you know, the Wikipedia that you found that out? Uh, uh, I was yeah. just enjoying a plate of chicken wings, and I said, you know what, I need to uh, cram for this show. I'm like, oh, he's uh, rock hard Juice Robinson or whatever now. Um, yeah, I think I think Will could take this. Um, 
I also don't really care about Juice Robinson or Sonata. So um, I'm going with Sonata. Take this. <laughs> the worst timeline. <laughs> Go with Sonata. Um, Tamatonga versus Carl Anderson for the Never Openweight Championship. I don't know if you're aware of uh, Tamatonga, who is now the hottest babyface in this company. You, you, would, you would not believe it, but he is clean shaven and the fans... They clap for him very, very, very loudly. They still can't cheer. They're getting closer. They love Tamatonga, and he loves them. And it's 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 a, the very, very strange thing here. Uh, but it kind of rocks. I, I I won't lie. Tamatonga as the hot baby face is actually pretty damn sweet. So I don't know if you have, have you been able to check out any of that yet. Um, I've been aware of the turns and the various machinations involved in this. Um, I'm still waiting for Tamatonga to have a really great match. Um. But maybe I'm just maybe I've just missed it. Um, I'm always intrigued when Carl Anderson gets a chance to not be near Doc Gallows. We'll get to him in a bit in a frightening situation. Um, but yeah, I would check this out. I'll probably check out this show. And this sounds like an interesting uh, contest. I like seeing Carl in a, in a singles match again because he is obviously very much weighed down by uh, one. <laughs> suntan biker man doc gallows uh and this is a real cool chance i i think uh for for them to i mean carl anderson is a guy who i think can really really go uh and i'll be interested to see this might be that great time of tonga match you you've been asking for uh because tonga has been he's been working a little harder he's been working a little you know more uh uh with a little bit more moxie since he's a hot baby face now and carl and anderson uh as a singles guy you know we haven't seen it in a while so i i don't know that he can still go like he could you know 10 years ago or whatever it's a long time ago uh but he was great uh in a singles role in new japan so i'm, I'm excited to check out uh this match we uh, also have a provisional kopw 2022 trophy match shingo takagi defending his trophy against taichi so they had uh both stipulations they offered up here taichi offered up a no time limit and limited finisher match Shingo suggested the much better 10-minute unlimited pinfall scramble match, which is basically that in a 10-minute time limit, one, two, and three and more counts are allowed. So whoever has the greatest cumulative counts in 10 minutes wins. So Shingo Stip won the fan vote, so we are getting a 10-minute unlimited pinfall scramble match. So you can pin a guy for one, you can pin a guy for two, you can pin a guy for three, you can pin a guy for 55. It's all going to count, and whoever has the greatest count at the end of the 10 minutes wins the match. I, I kind of like this, uh, uh, the stipulation. What, what do you make of this one? Uh, that's hilariously dumb. Um, I love it. Um, a big fan of the scramble match here, dating back to when, uh, WWE invaded it many years ago. Um, which led to the Brian Kendrick as WWE champion for about two minutes. <laughs> yes. The, the classic, the classic screenshot that if you ever look it up, it says Brian Kendrick, new WWE champion. It's incredible. Or current. Doesn't it say current WWE champion, Brian Kendrick, the Brian Kendrick? I think it was current because yeah. that was, um, as long as there is a counter on the screen um, that's very easily visible, I'll be happy with that. Um, I mean, this feels very low for Shingo. I have not... Um, Again, I haven't checked out New Japan in a little while, but this feels very below for him. Um, but also, I like Taichi, so conceptually, this will probably be a lot of fun. Uh, and some people have floated this as being the match that you know Shingo can maybe lose this and then go on to AEW and do the interim title or whatever, or maybe this match is for that spot at the... Uh see, because there's another match that has no stipulations, nothing attached to it that I'm still very worried 
uh, is the final one. So we'll get to that in a bit. Uh, interim AEW Championship Qualifier. We mentioned this one. Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Hiroki Goto. You should all not be cowards. Go with the Goto. The G in G1 stands for Goto. Uh, it is time for Hiroki Goto to, to take his place as the interim uh, AEW champion. But uh, yeah, we'll see uh, how this goes. I am... I'm. I'm predicting that uh, Tanahashi wins this, but goddamn, it would be great to have Hiroki go to win it. But uh, I don't, I don't think. That. Uh, then uh, anything else on the qualifier? We've talked about that a bunch of times, so I don't think yet. Uh, n- n- no, I, I'm kind of in the same boat. Though I kind of want Tanahashi to win. This is, I bring Goto over anyway, though. Yeah, no, bring yeah. So what you should do is have Tanahashi win this, and then just bring over. Yeah, like you said, just bring over Goto anyway, and just have him wrestle cool matches for like eight months. I I would really like uh, just Goto and Eddie Kingston, just Goto and Miro, yeah. just yeah. Edmund. Yes. Let's go. Oh baby, all right. Uh, IWGP Tag Team Titles: uh, Bad Luck Folly and Chase Owens, the champions defending against the former champions Great Okan and Jeff Cobb. Uh, this is just classic, boring New Japan Tag Title booking where. Great O'Connor and Jeff Cobb are definitely going to win the titles back, and we're all just going to go, oh, all right, whatever. <laughs> they just trade titles back and forth for no discernible reason whatsoever. So. Okay, so Rich, as I've mentioned, I have not been following New Japan. The look on my face when I realized that Chase Owens and Bad Luck fail. <laughs> were the current tag team champions. Were the current tag team champions. Um, I woke up watched... from a coma and said, oh, no. <laughs> like, this is, you have to shake the cobwebs out. No, no, no. I couldn't have read that right. There's impossible. There's no way. Um, yes, I was very upset. Um, so I, I apparently, Bad Luck Folly calls himself the ring general. Um, as a Walter fan, I was very offended. And I had a question here. Be- Pardon? Uh, who's Walter? I don't know any wrestler, but oh, I mean Gunta. Oh, oh, I know who you're talking the- about. Okay. Um, so I did have a question because uh, I-, I watched this six-man match on the uh, Best of Super Junior Finals. Oh, you know. We have new members of the Bullet Club in Ace Austin. <sighs> Rich, who's a better addition to Bullet Club, Ace Austin or Liv Morgan? Honestly, it's Liv Morgan, I think. And I like Ace Austin, but I think Liv, you know, the Bull Club is in desperate need of bullet babes. They got enough dudes, you know what I mean? The Bull Club is filled with dudes, not filled with babes. So I think Liv, Liv Morgan uh, belongs in the Bullet Club. So adds a different dynamic to it. Um, a little bit of a Jersey influence, too, in the Bullet Club, which I think is very well needed. So yeah, Ace Austin does not feel like he is needed whatsoever in the Bullet Club. So I, I, I think that uh, the answer is Liv Morgan. I'm assuming you agree with me, too. Oh, 100%, yeah. yeah. yeah right. Ace Austin's fine, but you know, is it still up? By the way, is your uh, your edit still up? Let me check. Uh, let's check. It's been a little bit. It has been. I, I'm enough. Yeah, you're probably nervous. So, um, oh no, Aaron, I regret to inform you that uh, while Mao and Mephisto, Scott Norton are still there, I to tell you, Liv Morgan, Damian Priest, and Rhea Ripley have been moved from part time. I uh, I checked if they no- were moved up to the current. They are not also in the. If you were wondering, they're not in the current either. Who who notices this this quickly? Um, <laughs> it's very strange. Just slap and refresh. Oh God, um, I gotta see if anybody changes that bullet club wiki. Oh, somebody did. Uh, where do you see? Because I know you can see where the edits were made and the notes that people made behind the edits. And uh, I'll have to find that yeah, here. Please, please do. Well, that'll be a show long story here to see. 
Um, I did want to mention though, um, going back to the finals. Now, I did not watch anything past the uh, the tag matches on the undercard of the Super Junior Finals. But as a Chicago fan and someone who traveled to Chicago a whole bunch, I did enjoy the discussion of Chicago food during the uh, sick uh, eight man tag. Mm-hmm. East Austin team and the Clark Connors team, who I learned is a cowboy or a um, down under person uh, doing a Outback Jack type gimmick. Yes. Yeah, I was like, where are you going with this? <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's doing some sort of uh, Crocodile Dundee uh, type of thing right now. So. Um, so, Rich, where do you stand with the uh, Italian beef? I love Italian uh, beefs. Italian beef hot. Italian beefs are fantastic. Uh, so, sweet peppers, do you go hot peppers? Dip, uh, no- I usually go no peppers, I'll be honest. I, I, I sometimes will do hot peppers, um, but I tend to go no pepper. I kind of, I'm, I'm also a, I like it dry. I'm a weirdo that likes it dry. Some people like the, the, the wet, some people like the super, you know, dr- dip. I, I, I like it dry. I, I, the bread is good. I want the bread to be crunchy and, and, and good. Let the let, let the meat have a little bit of juice, but yeah, I don't need my bread all juicy. I need, I want a nice crisp bread. Okay, yeah, I've always go for the hot jardinier. I've never seen the point of the sweet peppers. Oh, no, sweet peppers are ridiculous. What are you doing? Um, I'll definitely go with a dip. Um, I know a lot of people down here, at least in Texas, try to offer me cheese on mine, and I will always refuse that. Um, do you have a take on the cheese? Uh, so are you talking, cause I, I, people will do like when we have like quote unquote Philly cheesesteaks here, it's like provolone cheese or something like that. I, if somebody wants to put nacho cheese on my uh, Italian beef, I'm fine with that. Like that, like the cheese whiz nacho cheese type stuff. I'm down for that. That I'll do. Um, no, this would be like the provolone. Oh yeah. No, 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 no. Get that shit out of here. Okay. No, I can't do that. Take so... the beef. Take the beef is, is solid. If, if you cooked a good beef, you don't need all this crap. You want the beef. The hot peppers bring out the flavor of the beef. I'm fine with the hot peppers. Sweet peppers are dumb. What are you doing? Uh, and yeah, no, no, no cheese. Just, just keep it simple. All right. I can agree with a lot of these opinions. So just wanted to make sure we discuss. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Italian beefs are fantastic. One of the, one of Because everybody will do like the oh, deep dish pizza, oh, the hot dogs. I always say, get an Italian beef. Like that is, that is living. That's Chicago living right there. It's just a big, gigantic, greasy hunk of meat. Uh, you can and you can customize it, like you said. You can, if you want it, do you want it dipped? Do you want it in the juices? Do you want it crisp? You can do all that sort of stuff. Italian beefs, the underrated Chicago food for sure. I'm glad you uh, you appreciate that. Uh, yeah, no, no one talks about it enough. It is definitely the unsung hero of the Chicago food. I am a deep dish pizza gal, but well, I we know all make mistakes. It's all- well, I live in Iowa, so you know it's not part and parcel with my home area. So. That's true. It's fine. I'll, I'll let it slide. But uh, so we're getting some opinions here from uh, I know some some Chicagoans. Ricardo I know is a Chicagoan. It says Rich with the terrible dry Italian beef take. <laughs> Got to get it dipped. I knew it was. I knew people weren't going to like it. I, the, the bread is good though. That's those. The, if you have a good like Toronto bread roll, yeah, yeah, I want the bread. It's a good bread. You get it dipped. Now you're just eating. You know. Italian beef soup. It depends what kind of dip. Like, are you talking like just Aaron? When you get it, is it just like the the quick dip, or because like some people get it where it's just like it comes out and it's just a mass of food at this. I point. just do the quick dip. Okay, the uh, quick dip is fine. Just just enough to get a little bit of the juice. Okay, all right, I, I will accept that because yeah, th- to me like 
the full-on dip is just kind of disgusting because then you unwrap the, the the foil and it's just like this amalgamation of things you know what i mean like the bread no longer has any qualities anymore the the beef and the bread have become one it's just not yeah i don't know it takes away from the sandwich so uh, Ricardo with a great take there that Pizza Puffs also super underrated uh, Chicago food. I I don't know if I'm cla- is that a distinctly Chicago thing though. I don't know. I I, I I feel like it is. My ex-wife is a Chicago native, and she was about the Pizza Puffs. Okay, so. all right. I I always thought, oh man, I didn't know that that was like a okay. Well, hey, cool. I thought Pizza Puffs were everywhere, but they're not. I guess I I've never heard of them until I went into yeah. Chicago. Establishments. Okay, well then there we go. Pizza Puffs rock. So they, another underrated. Ricardo was right. Underrated as hell. Uh, the Pizza Puff. Uh, it's it's kind of like a Hot Pocket. It also burns your mouth, so you can't taste anything for days, but uh, it's much better than a Hot Pocket. So uh, uh, The Swink says, I like sweet peppers with the juice on the side. What do you think of juice on the side? Dip it oh, on your do, own. Yeah, do juice on the side, even if you get a dip. Because, That's the best of both worlds right there. Because you might as well. They're going to give it to you anyway, so... Oh, I found fa- I have found the note. Ahem. A Jedi striker. So I'm gonna call this person out. Oh, do- yeah, says, dox this person. Do you know their address? Let's let's like you know send. Them I I could probably find their IP. <laughs> Please don't do that. <laughs> well, well, you can. I mean, you should because this person is is. They're Fix. not letting your editorial. They're not letting you you your your creative your artistic representation of the Bullet Club. They're taking that I, away from you. So I say accurate based on they're really just disrespecting the founder, Finn Balor. Um, also true. The respect the prince and your ex. Um, gotta throw those X's in there. Uh, fixed vandalism. Liv Morgan, Rhea Ripley, and Damian Priest are not all caps not in Bullet Club. Pissed. He's big mad. What's his name again? Jedi Striker. Jedi Striker is big mad about this. Uh, clearly part of the toxic Star Wars fan base. <laughs> I like the not part of Bullet Club, just to let you know. There's a button here that says undo. I wonder if that just... <laughs> if you undo it, it does it. You know what? I Click. love this battle of wits between you. Uh, do you know that Jedi, Stri- Jedi Striker was the one that did it the first time as well? I don't know. I just clicked undo. So, uh... <laughs> refresh and see if it. Uh, as of right now, no, it has not fixed it. Oh, no, it did so. not, but yeah, I got time on my hands later. <laughs> Take that Jedi striker. I say you move them up to current. I think maybe maybe he's um maybe he's pushing up against the part time part there. Um that, that True. maybe you should you should put uh uh <laughs> and Damian Priest in the current uh US members of the team and then maybe he'll uh I guess we don't know. We don't know that Jedi Striker is 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 he. I keep saying he. I mean, he's probably. Let's be honest. I assume. So. Yeah. Let's, let's go on a limb. That who is up? You know, who who is so upset about Liv Morgan being added to the Bullet Club hierarchy in in, in Wikipedia? Other than so, uh, I'm gonna just assume that Jedi Striker is a guy. So, uh, and yeah, Jordan Smith is a great point in the note of chat room. How does Jedi Striker become an authority on Bullet Club lore? What what does Jedi Striker know that you don't know? Uh, yeah, I'm going to have to create an account here. I think I'll dub myself a Bone Soldier XXX. <laughs> there you go. And if that doesn't work, add 69 to the end, too. Because uh, it is June 9th when you're registering your account. So it's not, a, you know, you're not doing a, a funny username. That's just when you, you know, started your username. So, yeah. Nice. Bone Soldier 69 XXX. And then, yeah, that is the authority on Bullet Club lore. Not Jedi Striker. Go hit the bricks, pal. So, 
No, when I met, you know, I met Kenneth Omega once and I asked him where Bone Soldier was. This was before uh, Ishimori came back as the Bone Soldier. Um, Did he give you an said, earnest answer? <laughs> playing Pachinko, more than likely. Uh, that's actually probably accurate, to be honest. While that was probably seen as a joke, I think that was accurate. I think that's probably what the Bone Soldier was doing. So uh, if you follow the lore of the Bone Soldier, yeah, uh, he had to go away and never come back for a while. So uh, that's... Uh, What's going on there? Well, uh, let's move on here. Never open weight six man tag team titles. The House of Torture versus Suzuki Gun, Zack Saber Jr., El Desperado, and Yoshinobu Kanemoro. Now, I'm all in on a Zack Saber Jr., El Desperado, Yoshinobu Kanemoro team. Uh, so I hope they win. Uh, I know that this match is going to suck because there's going to be uh, the House of Torture and it's probably going to be bad and annoying and weird. But uh, I can hope and pray that, that just the absolute scumbag team of Saber, Desperado, and Kanemoro win this match. And plenty of whiskey is consumed afterwards um yeah i got nothing uh house of torture team is that evil show and the official representatives of that team are i had it earlier i don't know why it is missing from this note that i have it is evil yujiro and show the uh, absolutely ungodly alliance of evil yujiro and show are your uh your house of torture representatives here so god help us uh, please, Suzuki Gun. Okay. Now this is the match that I am so fucking terrified about. Just plopped into the middle of the show. Just a straight-up singles match. Not for any titles. Not for any interim world title chances. Not for a KOPW trophy. Just a random singles match between Toro Yano and Doc Gallows. Ugh. It can't be. It can't be. <laughs> There's no way, right? <laughs> Miro... Malachi Black, Pac, and the Suntan Biker Man. <laughs> like, no, there's no way. I'm no. I won't accept it. I, I, I mean, I assume this is being taped for Talking Shop of Mania 9. Um, this look, <laughs> what a match. Yeah, it is. What a- it, you want to be there to watch this because this is one that you're going to. Uh, remember or never want to remember or something in between, but yeah, Toro Yano and Doc Ellis and just a straight up singles match. And then uh, real quickly, the last two matches on the show, uh, LIJ, uh, Naito, Bushi, and Hiromu versus the Bullet Club team of Taiji Ishimori, El Phantasmo, and the new Bullet Club member, uh, Ace Austin. Uh, and then your opener is going to be six or nine, Ryusuke Taguchi and Master Wato, uh, teaming with Hiroyoshi Tenzan against the United Empire trio of Aaron Hanare, TJP, and Francesco Akira. So uh, that is Dominion. It is this weekend. Uh, could be a notable show uh, in a lot of ways. Okada and Jay White. Um, some other stuff up and down the car that could be notable. Obviously, the Tanahashi and Goto has you know big, big uh, ramifications for stuff in America. So we'll see what uh, what ends up happening with that. So uh, that is uh, Dominion. And uh, Aaron, uh, if you have nothing else about Dominion and nothing else about New Japan, I think it's time for us to to have some fun. I, I mean, I think the whole show has been fun, honestly. Um, I just want to say I hit a very popular tweet um, just saying, hey, if uh, Taguchi and Wato aren't on the buy-in for Forbidden Door against the Ass Boys, I don't know why we're doing any of this. That seems, like, that seems like the play. Um, ass Boys versus Ass? I mean, that's Ass versus Ass there. Uh, and the Ass Boys, I don't know how AEW did it. They're like at least in the top half of the company as far as over acts right now, right? Like maybe in the top quarter. Oh, the whole, it's, it's, it's very good. And I know you and you and Joe 
were not a fan of the 30 seconds that they took out of the broadcast to show the acclaimed <laughs> and the ass voice. But Rich, it was legitimately funny, and they did it in under a minute. Yeah, I, I'll get that. Well, it worked because they came out on this week's Dynamite, and this crowd went, ass boys, ass boys, and they were ready to go. And then when the uh, the acclaimed and the ass boys did their scissoring uh, a taunt, the, the the place came unglued, which I, I and I mentioned on the Thursday Tea Reviews that somebody had to explain to whoever – somebody went to that show with – a girlfriend, a wife, a boyfriend, a husband, a friend, a parent, and had to explain why 8,000 people were chanting ass boys and that when a bunch of guys said, scissor me ass boys, and everybody went, yeah! <laughs> like, you know, something, somebody had to explain that, and I just love the idea that somebody had to sit down and go, okay. <laughs> I gotta tell you stuff. Let me clue you in on what the hell's going on here. Or that other person left immediately and that person just went, ah, whatever. I'm having fun here at the show. Who needs this person, so... I think that's when wrestling is at its best. And I, you know, it's Pride Month. Let's all do the scissor taunt as much as possible. Yeah, I agree. As, Let's go for it. As, as you know, as I'm, I'm a lady who's pro all those things. And it's a great act. And Anthony Bowens is being kept on TV. And Max Caster. Yeah, it all works somehow. I don't know. It's, it's remarkable. Yeah, Bowens has been hurt. And he's more over now. Not wrestling. <laughs> Since he's been, I mean, he is like one of the most overcast in the entire company, along with the Ass Boys. It is tremendous stuff here. How, how they they struck gold here with this acclaimed Ass Boys thing, and I I love it so much. But you're absolutely right. If it's not Ass Boys versus Watto and Taguchi, then just cancel the show. Just give everybody a refund. Close up shop. Tell the UC to book something else because yeah, you, we don't need Forbidden Door then if that doesn't happen. So I'm right with you uh, on that. So uh, uh, Scissor Me Ass Daddy, as the Swink says, that is indeed what even more ridiculous. Scissor Me Ass Daddy, which. Again, the, the, somebody had to explain why this roided up 55-year-old man <laughs> just got told to scissor another man and gleefully did it. So uh, just incredible stuff. So, Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Forbidden Door should be the easiest thing to book. But Rich, is it easier to book than WCW sold out 1998? We'll find out here. All right, so so what's the... Uh, <laughs> give the background here. So you were playing Total Extreme Wrestling. You recently popped on a, a real sim for wcw nights 98 now you've told me this is this is taking place so when did this sim start because now i have to predict the sold out pay-per-view coming up correct okay so this sim starts out right at the first nitro of the new year you have the titles the title is with sting okay so I'll sting is one of the title we're not doing bullshit we're not doing weird stuff right the title goes away sting won and he's just moving on Right, right. We It does start you out with all the regular storylines. Benoit feuding with Raven. Brett's feuding with Flair. Okay. The NWO has dissension. Mm. And Goldberg is on his streak. That is pretty much what they start you out with. Um, I will say I gave myself $50 million to spend and acquire talent. And that may play a part in some of this booking. Oh, no. <laughs> 
Now, did you uh, go across the uh, the the? Did you steal any WWF talent, or are you just getting free agents from the the wrestling? You know, it's very hard to do. A lot of the talent is locked under contract, and the talent that I could have access to, I didn't want. One of, one might have been Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> I don't fall off the top of my head. Another uh, jump for Jeff Jarrett during the Monday Night Wars would have been incredible. So. Another jump. I. I will say, uh, Rich, do you have the sold-out card up? Uh, the actual sold-out card? Yes. Yes, let me get that up right now. I had it in a window. There it is. Okay, I got sold-out 1998, uh, January 24th, 1998, uh, ready to go. Do you want me to read off the, the matches from the actual sold-out? Uh, we can go one by one. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a little bit of setup by letting you know some of the people I signed. Okay. And some of the notable storyline events. Because I think if I just let you go in cold... The, I, I want you to win, is what I'm saying. I okay, want you to you. win. Yeah. Uh, so this is the first Nitro. This is the first Nitro after Starcade. Okay? Got it. We started off with an angle. Just the NWO, Nash Hall, Stevie Ray, and Buff Bagwell given a promo. Then we went into Bobby Eaton, defeated Dave Taylor. Bobby Eaton's out of the Blue Bloods. Then the Faces of Fear defeated Public Enemy by referee stoppage. Then a feud I was really getting into booking. Rick Fuller and Ray Trailer were having a brawl. <laughs> yes. This was on my booking sheet, my pre-booking for Sold Out, until Ray Trailer had to go to rehab. Oh. Uh, so keep that in mind. Uh, Chris Jericho defeated Hooventude for the Cruiserweight title. I'm, Jericho may be kind of staying the same. Uh, Davy Boy Smith defeated Greg Valentine, an old associate of yeah. Ric Flair. Okay. Uh, Bret Hart and the British Bulldog then taunted Flair, I assume by calling him old. Uh, Kevin Nash defeated Scott Armstrong. Keep in mind, this is Monday Nitro. <laughs> uh, Rick Fuller then put Ray Trailer through a table in the back. Um, so that's two angles for those men. <laughs> That's uh, a lot Chris, of Ray Trailer on a Nitro. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if that's winning the Monday Night Wars, but uh, I, I like it. I like where your head's at. Uh, I oh, I did not capture how many, uh, how many buys, how many views this show did. Uh, Chris Benoit beat Scotty Riggs, so that feud is it's kind of the same as the regular timeline. Yeah, okay, okay. Uh, Goldberg beat Rick Martel, something you you could have seen, and the post match, Goldberg was attacked by a new feud. He's starting. He was attacked by New Jack. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so, mind, so, you know, TW will ask you to play as an avatar. And my avatar owner of the company is Beulah McGillicuddy. Oh, okay. The, who bought out WCW. <laughs> she had a windfall of cash. Oh, she might have borrowed money from Kimona, who had lots of money after dancing atop the ECW arena. Man, I love that. Okay, so Beulah um, has bought out. Ted Turner, right? <laughs> she bought W outright yeah. bought WCW, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, other notable things that happened: Brutus Beefcake has formed a stable. Um, Ugh, big WCW loreheads will know that uh, the NWO turned on Brutus. They then did not accept Brian Knobs into their ranks, and they abandoned the Renegade. Those mem men have formed the NWO Kill Crew. They're an anti-NWO stable. So I, I would hope um, it is 1998. Crew has to be solved with a K, right? 
Oh, it a hundred percent. Fantastic. Okay, good. Uh, they would later add Dave Sullivan to their ranks. Oh, God, <laughs> it's the worst group ever. It's Brutus Beefcake. He's he's as Brutus too, right? He's not like the Zodiac or, or Disciple. Oh he's yeah, Brutus it's Brutus Beefcake. Okay, so it's Brutus Beefcake, Brian Nobbs. Is that what you said, Brian Nobbs? Brutus Beefcake, yep. the Renegade, and Dave Sullivan. <laughs> Sorry. This is the, uh, yeah. This okay, is that's the, the NWO Kill Fox. Crew. NWO Kill Crew, okay. okay. Keep that in mind. Yeah. Um, signings include during this period. Um, you just let me know if the No Dope chat room gets bored with this segment. Um, we signed Bull Payne. We signed the Cole Twins, Max Payne, Craig Pittman, Debbie Malenko, Heidi Lee Morgan, and I, I locked down... Nora Greenwald to a long-term Ooh, deal. She's like 22 at this time. That's a, that's a good value pick there for Nora Greenwald. Uh, thank you. Time. I appreciate it. Um, also got my hooks into Bobby Duncan Jr. before <laughs> he showed up. Okay. Oh, okay. Joe Malenko. So you have every uh, Malenko that's ever been born. Yes. Except for Boris, uh, who's, I believe, passed away at this point. He's dead in this game. Yes. Unfortunately. <laughs> you could not get Boris. That'd, that'd be a good get for uh, Beulah if she can get... Boris from the dead uh, in there, but uh, yeah, that's going to be tough. Uh, maybe I'll do it. Maybe uh, my favorite 80s WWE women's wrestler, Desiree Peterson. <laughs> Desiree Peterson. Lexi Fife. <laughs> are these, why are these, people, are these people still wrestling at this point? Like half these people that you're saying? Most of these women are still in their thirties. Okay. I was shocked. And a, uh, Ivory, the future Ivory. Um, Marty Jannetty at one point lifted the locker room when a silly game he created became very popular backstage, that scared the hell out of me. Yeah, that game, I don't want to know what that game was. If, if Marty Jannetty uh, did it, and it was a wrestling locker room in 1998, I do not want to know what that game was, but uh, there you go. Uh, we did form another stable. Uh, Rick Fuller was a little directionless, so WCW <laughs> is where the big boys play. So I formed the stable known as The Big Boys. Bam Bam Bigelow, Rick Fuller, and The Roadblock. Oh, so do you sign Bigelow as well? Because he was not in, he was in ECW. Or, oh, I rated ECW. Yeah, ECW. Viola really had like the inside track to all these guys. She had all these guys' phone numbers and, and, and had oh, them right Oh, yeah, he did the work that Todd Gordon failed to do. <laughs> right. I noticed that you have not, have you acquired Tommy Dreamer, though? I did, I specifically did not. <laughs> so, so is that done? Like, Or she just like wanted him to stay there? She wanted to be away from Tommy? Um, like, what's, I, the, what's the status of the Beulah Tommy relationship here? Um, I think clearly they're still together off screen, but being in ECW was too much for her. Okay, so she uh, she thought it'd be um, best to have you know don't, don't mix work and life, you know, which is smart. Yeah, business and pleasure. Yeah, so yeah. totally understandable. Um, so um, I will give you the go home show very quickly, and then we will get into the game. I don't have game music, so we'll just have to fix it in post. Okay. Yep. I will definitely. The Definitely do that and not forget and just post it without it. Fair. Um, so this is Thunder 98, week four, the go-home show for Sold Out. Uh, this drew, this is from uh, uh, Tucson, Arizona, I believe, in front of 16,000 people. Oh. And this is what I gave them. Eddie Guerrero beat Lance Storm. The NWO Kill Crew did a promo. In a U.S. tag title tournament... Because I'm throwing out belts like Tony Khan. Faces of Fear defeated 
Headhunter A and his replacement partner, the Sandman. Uh, Chris Jericho defeated the Ultimo Dragon, retaining the Cruiserweight title. He also hyped up a upcoming triangle match, so there's another clue. Okay. The Blue Bloods, in another tournament match, defeated the Malenko brothers. This would be the Dave Taylor-William Regal version. The Outsiders had a promo. The Big Boys formed their alliance. The Flock, Raven, Riggs, Van Hammer, and Kidman defeated the new Sting Squadron, Sting, Booker T, Chris Benoit, and Jim Duggan in a Survivor Series <laughs> match. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he said Jim Duggan. I'm like, what are you doing? Well, Beulah has lost control here. Well, Goldberg in the next segment accepted Beulah's challenge. Beulah runs a stable full of many extreme wrestlers. Uh, we then showed a music video featuring the big boys, giving them a huge push. And Goldberg, in preparation for his match at Sold Out, he defeated Sabu in a street fight by referee stoppage. So. Okay. Whew. That takes us into Sold Out. That's the go home program. Okay. All right. So now we are at Sold Out in the Sun Life Stadium in Florida, in front of a crowd of 66,000 people <laughs> wow. doing a million buys. A sound investment for Beulah. A million buys. It did a million buys. This is a hell of a show here. Yes. yes. Despite um, the fact so... that the NWO Kill Crew had promo time on the, on the go-home uh, edition of Nitro. Okay. Now, did any... I guess I'll ask this question if I can get this hint. Did any matches carry over from the actual sold-out? There are one. There's one and partially one. Okay. You you this did allude to Ric Flair and Bret Hart jawjacking with one another, and that's a match that I would probably carry over from the actual sold out, so I'm going to say... One of them is Ric Flair versus Bret Hart. It would feel weird to do Ric Flair versus Davy Boy, and you did talk about the feud between the two. So Ric Flair versus Bret Hart. Rich, that is ding 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 correct. Oh, okay, all right. One point for Rich. Bonus, who won? Oh man! So in real life, Bret Hart won. I, th- I think you're keeping that. He's new to the company. I think Bret Hart's got to win this one. Oh, he lost. What? Heck with Brett. Well, he's been disgruntled from the minute I booted up the game. <laughs> oh, he was already pissed. Yeah, so. He was annoyed the moment I took the company. So, um, yeah, I don't care. I think he's actually I put him on a two-month leave oh, okay. for his oh, poor attitude. Oof. Boy, he's not going great in, uh, in, in land there. All right. And so for the purposes of going a little bit quicker in the show, you did allude to a cruiserweight title match and I think you said something about it being a three-way right so I think you said Chris Jericho won the title forget who you told me he defeated it's very close to the match that happens on the actual okay so that one is Chris Jericho and Rey Mysterio with Jericho winning beating Rey Mysterio uh but man I can't figure out who the who was the champion but it was Rey Mysterio was the champion before though right when Jericho won um 
when I, I started game, Jericho was the champion. Oh, he was okay. Hmm. Dude. May not have been real life, but that's what I saw. Uh. So yes, it was Jericho, Ray, <laughs> and a third person. Oh, a third person. Well, Jesus Christ, you rated ECW, so it could be anybody at this point. Um, I don't know. I I, I got nothing. Uh, uh, that's okay. It's Juventud Guerrera. Okay, all right. That's not bad. All right. So you did mention Sting. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to stuff that I do know from the show. So you did mention Sting, and uh, he is the champion, which is probably just the right thing to do is just have him be the champion and defend that title. Uh, so I am going to guess that he defended the title against Scott Hall, the man getting his World War III uh, title shot here at Sold Out, as opposed to they did that later at like I forget what pay per view, but uh, you jumped ahead a little bit early and did it uh, right here at Sold Out. Uh. uh, uh. Um, they actually sting a squadron exploded. He defended it against Booker T. Whoa, mega push for Booker T. <laughs> and and one after the match, Booker they T won. No, oh, no, Sting won. I was like, oh my god, Eric, <laughs> that's, like, uh, that's a, a big push for Booker T. They then fought off the flock after the match and okay. shook hands. All right, I'm not doing well here. Um. Man, now, now that you, now that I know that you signed half of ECW, this whole thing is is up for grabs. Um, I imagine the well, Kill Crew. I mean, you you are heavily featuring the Kill Crew in the build up to this, so I would hope they had a match. But God only knows who they faced. Uh, maybe Beulah's Hardcore Heaven Crew or whatever the hell you said. Well, it's the NWO Kill Crew. Yeah. Oh, well, okay. So they're are they feuding with an NWO related team? Yes. Yeah. Who's left? Um, Scott Norton, Buff Bagwell, and Conan. Oh, Rich, if only if it was that good. It was Beefcake, Knobs, Renegade against Adams, Hogan, and Ray. And that, of course, would be Horace Hogan. Oh, what a horrific <laughs> match. Why would you put that? <sighs> Why would you do that? Um, okay. I'm not doing great here. Uh, Chris Benoit, I think you're just going to go, they had Chris Benoit and Raven, um, and you said Benoit is a part of the new, uh, dudes with attitude or whatever, the swings, thing squadron or whatever, right? Yes. With Booker T and Jim Duggan. Okay. Jesus Christ. But, uh, so I, I think Benoit is still probably just going to face Raven because that was what the actual match was. Uh, oh, all right. <laughs> I think I'm working on my, uh, this was a tag team tussle, uh, Raven and Saturn defeated Chris Benoit and Jim Duggan. Why is Jim Duggan in this unit? I, is this like full on like, hey, I'm going to take you down, Jim Duggan. Like, is it still that Jim Duggan? Or is he, is he have an edge now? Is he like mid-South Jim Duggan no. now? No, no. He's using the old glory knee drop. <laughs> God <He's, damn> it. <laughs> I hate this so much. Um, Just the idea of Chris Benoit having to sit in the ring there. 1998 Chris Benoit sitting in the ring there. As, you know, cutting his stoic promo. Gene, we're going to go to the ring. We're going to beat him. And then Chip Duggan be like, we're going to do it for USA. <laughs> well, you know, Raven's one of those Gen Xers. Jim Duggan doesn't like the he way he does. He doesn't like them. Yeah. yeah. You know, not, a fav- not in favor of that. Um, Where are so your there's a lot. and your black t shirts. Oh, men in my gonna... age, they went to war. USA. <laughs> USA. It's like, okay. All right. So you're really getting the. What you really feel in the the character and the angle here? Yeah, I, I really got it, and I hate it. Um, 
I think for the purposes of speed, you should probably just give me the rest of this card. I don't think things are going All to right. be there. So I got, what, one match right out of nine or whatever that I've done so far. So uh, This was an 11-match show. Ooh. Yeah, I go hard. Um, the opener was a great Sasuke defeating uh, Psychosis, <laughs> Ultimo Dragon, and Billy Kidman. Okay. okay. Was it good? That sounds good. I, I apparently, um, this was rated a 35, so um, TEW, you're drunk, go home. Um, too spotty. The big boys. Too spotty. The big, the, too much. Too much going on in that match. I guess. Decide, but you, uh, yeah, you don't want to start off with a hot match. <laughs> you don't want the crowd to be excited for great wrestlers. So, uh, the big boys, who've gotten a big push, they prevailed over Bobby Duncan Jr., Steve McMichael, and Max Muscle in a hardcore match. But have you? Are you trying to make this company go out of business? I made it better. <laughs> um, no, we did 66,000 people. So That's true. That, you're right. Yeah, it is working. Uh, at least one night, it is definitely working. There, there's intrigue in the Beulah. Uh, there, there's also uh, the uh, Jordan Smith said, AOL Time Warner McGillicuddy. So she <laughs> ascended the company ranks to, uh, to, to, to be a big part of the, the Time Warner, Time, uh, the AOL Time Warner Turner merger as well. So um, Yeah, I am still employing Bischoff, but now that you mentioned that, I might fire him. Yeah, get his ass out of there. Um, Sabu defeated Rocco Rock in a tables match. <laughs> okay. Oh, all right. That's good. That's good booking. That's absolutely booking. no build. No, um, you don't need it. It's Sabu and Rocco Rock in a tables match. What, what build? Build my ass. No, you're good. Goldberg defeated New Jack in a hardcore oh. match. <laughs> that was built up too. Now there had uh, to be. There was a shoot there. New Jack definitely uh, thought he was going to get one over on Goldberg, right? And then. Oh yeah, up. no. Someone came close to dying in that one. <laughs> Uh, DDP, a character we have not mentioned, he's been feuding with the Poffo brothers, uh, Lanny and uh, Randy. But today he faced a man who turned on him, Glacier. And they uh, fought for the U.S. title and DDP prevailed. And the last match on this show. Fine, but then there's one person that's like, what is he doing? The last match was a tag team title match featuring the Steiner brothers. Okay. My last match, is this the main event or did we, did I already, oh, the, the, was it Sting versus Booker was probably your main event? Yeah, okay, we okay. did all the other matches. Oh, okay, okay. I, when you said can last you match, guess, I was like, oh no. <laughs> can you event. guess the team that they the faced? Steiner the brothers versus, well, you had, uh, did you mention the big boys yet? They already, yeah, they already oh, fought shit. The Dunko, right. McMichael, and Max Muscle Trio. Oh, okay, right, right, right. The Steiner Brothers versus... I'll give you a hint. This would have been a WCW versus AWA dream match in about 1989. <laughs> oh, are we talking... Um, not the Beverly Brothers. Uh, what the hell was it? Destruction Crew. Yes! Oh, congrats. that was a great match. Good for you. And the Destruction Crew defeated the Steiner Brothers Upset to retain... City. The tag team titles. Yeah, Enos was there. I know you're a big Enos uh, fan, so I knew that uh, oh. he had to be involved in some way, shape, or form. Oh, so. I'm, a, yeah, I'm a big Enos person. And uh, so, Rich, congratulations. You <laughs> I uh, got yeah, I <laughs> a couple of points. Not many points. I got like, a couple of points. Yeah. Well, hey, you know what? I, I'm, I'm just surprised I got one. So I, I, will, I will take that. But uh, that, was, uh, that was fun. So, yeah, congrats. Uh, good luck. 
Uh, you can update that on the on Twitter at Miss Aaron uh, Quinn. Yeah, anyone wants to follow along, I've been doing some events, so I have a backlog to post now. Um, it's the pin tweet on my Twitter at Miss Aaron Quinn with an M and an S and then Aaron Quinn, uh, and you can follow along with uh, the simulation. And business is good, so hopefully, let's see if you start uh, tanking business like WCW did uh, throughout the the next couple of years. So, uh, let us get to well. Hey, speaking of WCW, we got. Aaron and Rich recommend matches to each other. I had two picks. I gave you one WCW match, Blitzkrieg, Juventud Guerrera, Psychosis, and Rey Mysterio from Nitro, April of 1999. Uh, you gave issues one through three of Marvel's WCW comic uh, from 1992. I then also gave Brian Danielson versus Nigel McGuinness from ROH's Domination slash ROH Driven. Uh, originally happened on June 9th, 2007. This is our anniversary here, uh, but it aired on September 21st, 2007. And then you gave me Sabu versus Mikey Whipwreck, ECW Hardcore TV 101, March 18th, 1995. So obviously we uh, we, we go and we watch these matches. Uh, we take some notes here. We're a little pressed for time on the show, so we'll, we can go a little bit over. We got about 10 minutes. We can go about 10 minutes over. It's no problem. That's fine. Flagship, uh, a special flagship here with Aaron in, so we can, we can go 10 minutes over. So we can go a little bit long with these, but uh, let us start. Aaron, do you want to start with one of your picks? Do you want to start with one of my picks? You are the guest. You, you can choose where we begin here. Let's... Let's go ahead and start. Um, we'll go back and forth. We'll start with a. Uh, uh, let's start with this Nitro match, the four way. Yeah, so um, I did this. Uh, I picked this match uh, for you because I wanted to prove that not all of WCW 1999 makes me mad or angry. Uh, some of it actually makes me happy. Uh, and this match definitely made me happy. Uh, it also made me sad at some points because it's like, hey, this could be done a little bit more. Uh, and it still had some stuff that made WCW 1999 horrible, but uh, I thought all in all it was it was a fun, fun match. And I think it's a unique match that people should definitely check out to realize that hey, there was a point in 1999 where WCW wasn't just absolutely the drizzling shits. Uh, I agree. Um, WCW 1999, at least up until Slamboree, everyone check out the Slamboree Jamboree on the Patreon. Flagship Patreon. Um, I think up until the end of that event is actually a really good promotion uh the tag title scene with uh the flock and the horsemen and ray and kidman is pretty cool and this match was really fun um i noticed psychosis had inherited the hollywood blondes theme um <laughs> yes he it was a little disjointed and i feel this is one of those moments where my brain has been rotted by modern three ways and four ways because everyone was doing a whole bunch of really cool shit it just didn't flow mm -hmm. and there were some moments where wow these guys look really good and then blitzkrieg put on a figure four for some reason but you know blitzkrieg's like 12 years old and has had like three matches so that's understandable um they were going all out they were really kind of doing it as a tornado tag for the first half um, with Ray and uh, Hoovy and Psychosis as the heels. Um, Berlin was in the crowd. Yeah, a very weird thing where they cut to the crowd and Tony Schiavone goes, wait a minute, wait a minute, zoom in on that. Is that who I think it is? And they're like, who is that, Tony? I don't know who that is. And he goes, I think that's Alex Wright. That looks like Alex Wright, but that's not what he looked like. And yeah, it was the debut, quote-unquote debut of Berlin, the uh, very... Uh... Extremely problematic, <laughs> Alex Wright uh, 
character from 1999 that uh, did not last very long. And then he was just back to being a dancing dildo not that long after. So uh, Oh, uh, he was shelved after this. Yeah. Um, because this was the 19th of April. And it would yeah, be uh, a man in trench coat and uh, black sunglasses. The next day. Yeah. Rich, it was the next day. Yeah. <laughs> um, <Yep>. So. <laughs> Luckily, the end of uh, gun violence in this country. We all woke up one that day and said, never again in this country. Really, let that happen again. That was that day. Yeah, Berlin did not last very long. Yeah, a guy wearing trench coat and sunglasses, not a great character uh, post April 19th, 1999. Um, until the matrix yes and then everybody was like ah whatever <laughs> trench coats are cool again so let's go uh yeah this and, and you're absolutely right this match is weird because the beginning of it is fucking great guys just go all over the place guys are doing everything Rey mysterio is over as hell and i loved i i admit it at the time and i guess still today i loved unmask camel pants coming out to psycho Rey mysterio jr like He's cool as hell. The crowd loves him. He's a little yoked up. You know, he's had a, he's been hitting the weight room a little bit, Ray. You know, he's, he's got a good look going for him. But uh, I don't know why I loved it, and I guess I still kind of love it to this day. But the match starts, and these guys just go nuts. And the first half of this match, you could absolutely drop into, like, a 2022 Dynamite, and it would not only fit in, but people would also say it was good. You know what I mean? Like, you could easily drop it in and be fine. It's in Gainesville, and the crowd is going insane for it. And you're like, okay, yeah, for all this shit about, oh, they have to, you know, fans don't like these guys. They don't like guys that are high flyers, right? You know, they need some stories. They don't like guys that are wearing lucha masks. They don't like Mexicans. They don't like that sort of stuff. And then they come out here, and then the crowd's going absolutely fucking bonkers for them. Uh, the problem, though, is this match goes on about 10 minutes longer than it needs to. And that's when things get really long and really long and really long. And that's when the crowd starts chanting, boring. Uh, the crowd stops caring about the near falls. The crowd starts booing near falls at one point. Uh, Heenan, who was earlier really excited about the match and was like, this is incredible action, Tony. What a match. Starts making fun of it and goes, we'll be here till the beginning of Gator football, which is obviously this is in April. So he's like saying that we're going to be here for a couple more months. And then the match, like six more kickouts happen. And he goes, Tony, we might be here for the end of Gator football, which I was howling laughing when he said that. He's It's, it's Bobby Heenan being like, why is this match still going on? So... Uh, it does finally end. Uh, I, I do admit that it's probably went a little too long, but uh, I still enjoyed some aspects of it. It, it certainly is a snapshot uh, of the cruiserweight division at this time, but uh, really, really fun. But yeah, went way too long. And like you said, there were some weird times where like they're going to slow it down by doing like a figure four. And it's like, just, just go like, have it be 11 minutes of guys doing shit and then get out of the ring. You know, you know, we don't need to have it extend another three or four minutes with you guys doing holds. You know, that's, that's nobody needs that. Nobody wants that. And psychosis won. I yeah, like out of nowhere, thought. fucking psychosis wins. You're like, oh, all right. <laughs> um, he lost the belt the next week. Yeah. I double checked, but uh, amazing leg drop, psychosis. One of the best leg drops of all time. Um, Ray's Bronco Buster never fails to amuse me. Just because, why are you doing that? Um, but overall, I I did think this was really fun, even if it went a long time, and. Yeah, the crowd was super hot, especially for Ray. Um, there's never been any evidence that people would not get into stuff like this. Mm -hmm. um, and anyone who says different is just Vince Russo. <laughs> right, yeah, because here's a, here's a crowd that, until the match got a little too long, was completely invested in guys just doing cool shit. So, And they loved Ray Mysterio at this time. He was super, super over. Uh, and Ray was getting pushed. You know, the, he lost his mask earlier in the year, and they were starting to push him as like a, an actual guy. And then, you know, Kevin Nash had to be like, ah, no, no, no. Gotta beat his ass. And then they're like, all right, well, 
back to the cruiserweight division you go, Ray. And then, yeah, then he just kind of stalled and, and never would reach those peaks again. But there was a point in early 1999 where it felt like Ray, you know, could actually be a bona fide guy in the uh, in the company. But then they, you know, it's WCW. God forbid you you push anybody. So uh, that was uh, Blitzkrieg, Juventud Guerrero, Psychosis, Ray Mysterio Jr. from Nitro, April 19th, 1999. Uh, very easy to find. You can find it, obviously, on Peacock. And if you don't want to get on Peacock, you don't have Peacock. Uh, you can just type in those names and the date, and I think you will be able to find this match pretty easily. So uh, there you go. So Aaron, now one of your picks. Do you want Sabu and Mikey Whipwreck, or do you want issues one through three of Marvel's WCW comic? I think we know what we got to say for last, obviously. So let's go with Sabu and Mikey. Um, I know we're a little short on time, so I'm going to kind of speed through this. Um, this was part of a four-episode uh, VHS that I bought back in the day. It was this episode and I think the three before it and was my first introduction to ECW. I had never seen the promotion. I spent hours combing through the ads in PWI for a particular video company that sold ECW, who I won't name because they're run by bad people. <laughs> it starts with a R and ends with a... <laughs> Ob Feinstein, I'm assuming, right? Is that the one? Yeah. Sounds- I don't want to make it obvious. So, yeah, we'll just say it's uh, with R and that's with Ob Feinstein. So. so, um, what I loved about this particular episode, and it's really a culmination of the whole episode that starts with Mikey beating Jason, um, to kind of cap off their feud, which had been running for since 94. That was man- Mikey's main rival. And then, of course, this starts out with Marty Jannetty being unable to make it to the show, which really disappointed me because I think Marty Jannetty versus Sabu sounds like a, a blast. Yeah, it does. But instead, we end up with Mikey, who obviously Mikey Whipwreck in early 95 ECW is the super underdog. He's terrified. He's scared. How could he ever go up against Sabu? And gosh golly, this has some of the best little baby face comebacks that I just love. Mikey's throwing drop kicks and old school head scissors and dives. And obviously he loses in the end, but it's one of those points for that character where he was able to last longer than anyone thought he would. And was really, in my opinion, the start of his kickoff to getting the title that fall. And Sabu has always been one of those wrestlers where you wrestle his match no matter who you are, you're going to get dragged into his world. So when I look for a Sabu match, I really look for who's he wrestling and what's the most interesting thing. Yeah. Whether it's Mikey or one man gang or Bobby Duncan jr. I want the weirdest Sabu opponents because they have to play by his rules. And for all those reasons, I, I just love it. It's one of my favorite 10 to 12 minute matches ever. Yeah. It's a lot of, fun. I mean, it starts out with, you know, obviously, Marginetti is not there, uh, which I thought at first was like, oh, God, what the hell happened? And then they actually get him on the phone, and you can't really hear it because it's ECW and the production values stink, so you have no idea what he's saying. And I'm wondering, oh, man, did like Marty just like – I mean, it is Marty Gennetti, for God's sake. So, but the, he got booked later in the year, so it looks like he actually just legitimately did miss his flight or, or something. His flight got canceled. Something happened uh, where he didn't show up. So they do the gimmick where you know Sabu is out there with Paul Heyman and 911, and 911 just goes to the back. They say, "Hey, get us an opponent." And 911 goes, "Okay." And he goes to the back and he brings back Mikey Whipwreck. He like grabs him by the ear to drag him out there. And Mikey's like, "No, no, please, dear God, I don't want to face him. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I'm not ready." Uh, and then they just throw him in the ring. And like you said, then like Mikey just survives. And you would think that a character 
like Mikey Whipwreck would never get over with this ECW crowd. Like the the antithesis of what this ECW crowd would like is a guy like Mikey Whipwreck. But Mikey Whipwreck is so good at being this character that they fucking love him. And he's so good. Like you said, the work is perfect. He looks perfect. He's got a good, you know, it, it, this, the whole presentation of Mikey Whipwreck just worked so well for this rabid bloodthirsty audience that were like, yeah, you know what? Maybe let's hope that this baby face can win. You know, this plucky, you know, good guy, baby face, maybe he'll win this thing. And it's like, yeah, this crowd shouldn't love this guy, but they absolutely do. And uh, this is really great. And it's a great representation of Sabu as well. Uh, and Joe always says on the November Remember, and Joe's always says on the flagship that like people like will watch Sabu in 2022 and be like, I don't know. I don't quite get it or whatever. And it's like, you just can't, if you weren't around then, if you weren't, watching ECW in those days, you just can't fully understand what Sabu was and what he meant. And you can see it in this match because the crowd just goes fucking insane for the stuff he does. He does a moonsault to a table on the outside and the it's like the loudest you've ever heard the ECW ring. It seems like a pretty normal spot these days. You know, a guy does a moonsault, lands on a table on the outside, like it's not that big of a deal. But he does it here and this crowd just loses their goddamn minds. And yeah, it's just... Sabu is a time and a place thing that if you just weren't around, you just don't understand how important and how unique and how different... Uh, he was and why he stood out. So yeah, I, I am really glad you gave me this match because it was awesome. I ended up watching the entire episode of ECW Hardcore TV as well as the ECW Hardcore TV the next night as well. So I just kind of kept I just kept it on in the background as I did some other stuff, just saying, now nah, you know what, tonight's an ECW night, and, and just went through and kept watching. So uh, I really appreciated this match. It was it was a lot of fun, like you said, and and just an all time great performance by Mike Whipwreck there, just getting his ass kicked but surviving and surviving and surviving, uh, and, and a great representation of what Sabu was like at this time too. There is people who only think of Sabu as super sloppy, and yeah, he was. But early 1995 Sabu was so smooth in the craziest shit and could string these dives and these flips and things involving chairs in a way that, well, Rich, I'm deceptively old. I was 13, I think, at the time. And this just blew my mind. It was revolutionary. I'm in Iowa getting a tape in the mail, and then seeing ECW is just blew my wrestling mind to smithereens. So I'm really glad you enjoyed this one. Yeah, I, I loved it. So, and yeah, and then it, it, it put me on just watching, you know, two, three weeks of, of 1995 ECW, which is not bad because this is like really the epicenter of ECW at this time too. I think this is one of the best years of ECW. Like some people will, you know, I really got into ECW myself in like, you know, 97, 98 or whatever. Uh, but going back and rewatching stuff like 1995 is the heyday. They are firing on all cylinders in 1995. The crowd is super invested. The wrestlers are super invested. You can tell this thing has got some legs, that things are happening, that guys are really buying into this thing, and it is just, it's off to the fucking races in 1995. So yeah, this is, anytime you can watch ECW uh, in 1995, very much worth it. Uh, so then we go to uh, my next match, Brian Danielson versus Nigel McGuinness, the anniversary of which uh, happening today as of this recording, it originally happened on 6-9-2007, uh, but if you bought the DVD, for uh, ROH Domination, which the show was taped with, you did not get Brian Danielson and Nigel McGuinness because they said, nope, we're going to save this for our very first pay-per-view because then ROH would get pay-per-view later in 2007 uh, and debut it with ROH Driven, which was a show that I was at, taped in Chicago, that at the end of the pay-per-view, they just slapped on a Brian Danielson versus Nigel McGuinness match. Uh, and uh, well worth it because this is, to me, one of the better, one of the better ROH matches of all time. Uh, Brian Danielson versus Nigel McGuinness. I got chills when Final Countdown came on again. Uh, and I just wrote here that it was, I was so lucky to have been able to go to so many ROH shows uh, during this period. And I was really glad to hear that you uh, also uh, at this time were able to go to some shows and maybe even uh, went to some shows the same ones I went to 
uh, as well. Were you going still in 2007, or did, did your ROH attendance uh, start to fall off a little bit at this time? My attendance was waning just a little bit. It was it was kind of tough because I, I was working in at that age, and so just getting the weekend off to drive to Chicago and go to a show was a little bit tricky. Um, but I'm glad you recommended this one because... I don't know if I'd seen it because the the early pay-per-view era for me, the time, the timelines of when things would be taped and when things would air really hurt some of my investment, honestly. And so I was never a buy every DVD per type of person. And so I don't know if I ever saw this, but this was so great. Um, the mat work was great. I was really surprised when they were outside and Danielson was using a chair and then put a table on him. And McGinnis might be the only one to make the, the what we all referringly call lovingly the wacky line, make that a, a viable move. Just and then the headbutts, which I know with hindsight, not great. But in the moment, like, oh, my God, now he's bleeding. And then the ending. Uh, this was just great. Just absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. And, and at, at this time, uh, this, you know, in. These guys have had a match, I think, the year prior they had this match. And, and uh, this one was just a lot quicker, which I think I liked a little bit more. I mean, they just got right to work. It wasn't like a real feeling out process. And that was cool because they didn't really have to feel each other's out. They were just like, no, we know who both guys are, so let's just fucking go. And then they just go. Like, from the moment the bell rings, they're pretty much doing stuff. Uh, they're doing great, like you said, great mat work. Nigel McGinnis at one point does a move that I do not understand how Brian Danielson's shoulder didn't get like just completely taken out of the socket. Like there's no way, like, I don't know how you could do what he does. He bends his entire body backwards on his, it's hard to describe. You have to watch the match and just see, and you're just looking at it like, no, this guy, there's no way your elbow can survive this. Like there's just no way, uh, but it somehow does. And like you said, there's just so many good things in this match and it's a definitive win uh, by Danielson. It goes 25 minutes, but it flies by. It's so, so quick. Uh, because you're just completely, um, you know, inundated with just the, the work from these guys. Just awesome, awesome work. Uh, I do like, yeah, that it's just a little bit more condensed than, than the match they had at uh, Unified, I believe was the name of the show, uh, in 2006. So, yeah, I, I yeah. love this match. I mean, this is just, in, in 2007, Ring of Honor, I know that some people wouldn't consider it like the heyday of Ring of Honor. But to me, it was. That's when I was going to the most of the shows. And it's also when I think the crowd was just so invested like that is when you could actually really truly follow ring of honor like as much as as because the website had, had been updated the videos would come out a little bit it wasn't like in 2004 when you just had to wait for dvds or whatever you could follow this company so people went in knowing what was going on knowing the stories knowing other matches buying all the dvds really up on everything that was going on in in, in ring of honor so you got that just insane crowd investment in 2007 uh and, and yeah this was just a spectacular spectacular match and, and again it made me just say well, shit, I guess I'm watching Ring of Honor for, like, you know, the next month or so. And so uh, when we're done with this show, I'm probably going to pop on some 2007 Ring of Honor. I don't even know what, what I'm going to watch. I'm going to watch something, though, because uh, this is a very, very special time in this company's history uh, and in this uh, wrestler's history as well, with Danielson just at the top of his game at this time. Uh, and Nigel McGuinness, who, who had come in a year prior as a complete unknown, but by this point was just, like, a made man, like, just... You know, just it showed, and especially a British wrestler. We hadn't seen a British wrestler in a long, long time. You know, come out of the scene and be great. Uh, and for McGinnis to do that was, was was spectacular. So yeah, go out of your way to see this if you never have. Just a tremendous, tremendous man. Yeah, it's so good. And yeah, I think ROH really hadn't had such a prominent British wrestler since Doug Williams, and that was like 2002. Yeah, um, right, right. And I remember that 
um, the show we were both at in Chicago Ridge, Nigel was in that four way. And that was the first time I was really blown away with him because he was doing all the like all the escape British wrestling stuff. Yeah, he would do like that World of Sport stuff. And that was part of his game for a while. And then he just kind of realized, like, I can do that, but make it like vicious. And that's when he like clicked. Uh, and that like that 2006, 2007, 2008 run of Nigel is when he just clicked of like, hey, I, I can do all that fun, you know, escape stuff, but then I can also just like do a shoot head button and make you bleed. So, uh, yeah, it, it definitely got real, real fun there for a while for Nigel McGuinness. Maybe not so much for his brain health, but uh, hell, uh, definitely, uh, definitely fun for, I guess, us, the, the viewers. This is what we're talking about, the Cody thing. Like, you know, the Cody thing was whatever, you know, it's his body, whatever. This was one where it's like, yeah, in hindsight, you're like, ooh, all these headbutts. Do we need all these ones now that Nigel, you know, had so many horrific uh, brain injuries uh, later in his yeah, life. Yeah, this uh, this match literally ended with headbutts until someone started bleeding. <laughs> yeah, but- I mean, yeah, yeah, right. So if you're squeamish, you know, be, be careful because, yeah, it is it is headbutts until Brian Danielson is just a pool of blood. Um, So, yeah. I felt bad for him because the match ended like two minutes later. And it's like, oh, okay, well, huh. But I hope how good Nigel is doesn't get lost to time because now he's just on NXT UK, which is a fake promotion. And so I hope these archives get rolled out eventually and people don't forget just how great he was. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. And then Rich, I went off the board, got a little crazy. You know, WWE has always been perceived as a bigger company, but WCW got Marvel Comics, baby. WCW, MCU. Yeah, give him some credit. Put a little, put a little respect on the WCW getting the the, the Marvel comic in 1992 here. Uh, so you uh, you provided us issues one through three. You can find these as well. Uh, you can just go search around. You could probably find most of these or scans. And uh, there's other nefarious means if you want the entire run of WCW comics. Uh, from 1992, but this, uh, oh boy, I, I was thinking, ah, I don't know what's going to happen here. There must be a reason why Aaron picked these, and oh, there is a reason. There is some very fun, very interesting, very weird, uh, problematic stuff uh, a little bit here and there, but uh, this these are a ride, man. These these Marvel 1992 comics are a ride. Did you read these in real time, or did you go back and, and, and check these out? I, I read these and was buying these in real time. Insane. I was in- Awesome. That's Dude. great. Comics at the time I was into WCW and uh, the the comics are insane. It's fun to see a lot of this stuff is based on late nineteen ninety. A lot of stuff is based on nineteen ninety one. Madness and 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 Marvel didn't put like terrible people on these. These are people that worked on things like you know Web of Spider Man, Spectacular Spider Man. These were people at Marvel at the time writing and drawing this book um you can kind of get the idea of when they were basing this on because the champion is lex luger yeah i was Uh, gonna say one of the funny parts about this is uh the the issue one comes out in april of 1992 and like predominantly features lex luger like luger is the dude in this comic uh he left wcw in february of 1992 and was pretty much completely gone for like the first few months of 1992 showed up at super brawl uh, to lose and then went away uh, to uh, stop wrestling forever uh, and then join the World Bodybuilding Federation. And then, oh, wait, the World Bodybuilding Federation is owned by WWF. I guess I'm in the WWF now. But, yeah, it does kind of suck. And I'm sure it was just like, hey, w- Lex Luger was our guy. And when they were doing these books probably in late 1991 or whatever, 
they're like, look, well, Lex is our guy, and they, they they release them, and then yeah, it's just so funny that releases two <laughs> months after this guy is completely gone from WCW. But that is just a perfect that's just a perfect WCW thing, right? That it would prominently feature Lex Luger, who's no longer a part of the company. Uh, I yeah, um, you know, obviously there's gonna be you know they only have so much lead time with these. I will say that in issue four, the belt is mysteriously vacated. Yes. They don't say who the champion was, <laughs> and Lex Luger is never heard from ever again. Yeah, it is in abeyance, and yeah, the, the guy predominantly featured in very much of the first three, especially the first two comics, uh, long gone by, by issue four. So, um, But this roster, Rich, issue one, featured a battle royal. We dived into the competitors in this battle royal, what did you think when you saw the people chosen to be featured in this comic? Oh, it is incredible. So uh, I want to say, first off, some very problematic color shading on El Gigante. Uh, PN News in particular is uh, pretty egregious. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, they, they, he looks like PN News, but somebody must have said, yeah, no, he's like the rapping guy. And they went, oh, okay, rap. And, and yeah, PN News... Uh, Definitely uh, a different shade than he is in real life. Uh, Johnny B. Bad, uh, very odd coloring this entire time, and Ron Simmons, very odd coloring as well. They weren't they weren't great at uh, at coloring uh, people of color <laughs> in the Marvel. They, what's weird though is they figure it out by like issue two. It's issue one that like everyone's like really weird looking, but by issue two everybody kind of gets on track here. So yeah, it is it is that awesome 1991 uh, WCW roster. A very strapping portrayal of Arn Anderson as well. He does not look ugly here. He looks like a very attractive man backstage. Um, what we do have to talk about though is the mega push of Johnny B. Bad in these comics. He is the biggest heel in this entire company for some reason in these comics. Like, First off, he comes out in the Battle Royal, and I wrote this down, and I don't know that I... Did I miss something? It says... Maybe I'm wrong here. It says, Boo, Bad's a cad. No, that is correct. What does um, that mean? Uh, he's a cad. Okay. <laughs> And that's what he is, and it rhymes too. Bad's a cat, um, and they also then the next guy says Johnny B. Bad stinks on ice. <laughs> I don't know what that means either, but okay. Oh, <laughs> um, I'm trying to find the meaning of cad. I cannot actually. Yeah. Um, computer, uh, I, I got. What do I have here? I have computer, um, computer aided design. Let's go with that. That's probably what it was. That's what I found as well. Um, this battle royal, everyone is mostly eliminated by kicks. Ron um, Simmons is fucking Ernest Miller out there, man. He is just kicking everybody. Kick, 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 kick. Like <laughs> I never, I don't think I ever saw Ron Simmons throw a kick. But in this in this battle royal, he kicks everybody out of this ring. Um, Vader at one point decks PN News and goes, "What a stupid hat!" So <laughs> that's great. <laughs> Uh, PN News' rap, it was incredible. He says, my name is PN News, and you're going to see 10000 bucks go to my charity. Yo, baby, yo, baby, yo, out of the ring, you'll go. I mean, probably better than some of the ones he actually did. These True. are professional writers. This is not Paul New News uh, <laughs> writing his dialogue here. Um, Vader is in his nineteen ninety full mask attire, which might help us pinpoint the information that they got, um, which I thought was interesting. Um, yeah, Johnny B. Bad eliminates Brian Pillman. He eliminates Tom Zink. Um, he's in there till the final three. 
I think. Yeah, so I, I think, yeah, it's the Z-Man. Um, so Johnny B. Bad eliminates Sting, and it leaves us with Ron Simmons and Johnny B. Bad as the final two of, of this battle bowl. Um, and then, in a very weird turn, Simmons hits him with the backbreaker and wins. Uh, Lex Luger is dressed as a fan at ringside and runs in and destroys Simmons with the trophy. So uh, we're all uh, building up to this big Lex Luger-Ron Simmons match. But then, like, issue two starts, and Johnny B. Bad's, like, mega heel push is back because then he starts making fun of the Z-Man for losing. He says, Z-Man, more like Zero-Man after that last fight, baby. Don't worry. I hear Burger Wiz is higher in. Tee-hee. Uh, undercard feuds. You got to build the undercard I, feuds. I, they're doing it. They're doing it. Did I miss the, like, Johnny B. Bad mega heel run that, <laughs> that happened around this time? Like, what is going on? I, I don't know. I mean, are you a fan of the WCW light heavyweight title? Yeah, I guess. We have squash matches in this comic. <laughs> it's uh, pretty awesome. Uh, issue two, like issue one's weird, and you're like, all right, whatever, dude. This is just like hey, things get going. Things really get going in issue two, and it's like a fu- it becomes like a really kind of fun <laughs> thing after issue two. Um, Luger's a superhero. The basis of this is, um, well, for one, the Steiners are feuding with Bobby Eaton and Arn Anderson. Mm-hmm. Bobby Eaton, the fiery Bobby Eaton promo, him. Steiner Brothers, I'm Bobby Eaton, and I hate your guts. Tell them Arn, which is more <laughs> than Bobby Eaton ever said on TV. Yeah. Um, but they do the nasty boys dress like concession stand workers and attack the Steiner Brothers angle. So they are still swiping ideas from late 1990 WCW. And then you also get the first mention of the WCW ghoul. Yes. Oh, yes. We learned about the WCW goal. I will say that Sting, an absolute dork in this, like he got eliminated like pretty early on in the battle bowl. Uh, he faces uh, he faces Luger here, uh, takes off the turnbuckle pad, and Sting just loses again. He just hits his head in the turnbuckle pad and beats him. Uh, after the match, El Gigante challenges Lex Luger, a match made in absolute hell. El Gigante versus Lex Luger. Uh, but luckily, we do not get that right away. We go to Simmons versus Luger, uh, and Simmons. Seemingly a second away from winning the title, but a mysterious man in a hat and a trench coat. Not Berlin, though, uh, wins uh, or interferes, and Luger wins yet again. So uh, then El Gigante comes out. Luger destroys him with a chair until PN News, now of like his actual color <laughs> as opposed to whatever they did uh, in issue one. Big Josh, and then a man that is as large as a house. And I'm thinking, man, who the fuck is this roided up monster of a man? It was Flying Brian. They really liked Flying Brian in here. I mean, he is 325 pounds of muscle here in this comic, Flying Brian. And it's a comic, so it's fair. But he is so much bigger than everybody else in this thing. Accurate. But Luger's a huge heel. Uh, Rich, did you notice Lex Luger has a catchphrase in this book? Uh, sort of, but what, what, what was the one? I thought he had a few, but maybe there's one that you, uh, you have for uh, sure. So Lex, who will be eliminated out of continuity... In two issues, him gives this promo. I crushed the best you had. Now your Z-Mans and your Stingers and your Giants all finished. But now what's left? I've beaten them all. And when you've beaten them all, you are the best. And I am the best. Hell yeah. El- I don't know what this voice is. El Gigante, free advice. Quit wrestling. Great, that's great advice. Get a job. <laughs> He's not street. wrong. <laughs> Because you don't have what it takes to get by in this sport. And now, dear Missy, with a tear in my eye, oh my god, I wonder if they stole that from Flair. (laughs) 
I take my leave to greener pastures away from the total. Flair's in WWF just being like, God damn it. It's <laughs> like these motherfuckers. So, yeah. Luger leaves the company. Yes. Don't worry where I am or how I'll get by because Lex Luger always has an angle. Lex Luger always has an angle. It is the catchphrase. He said it at least three times in two issues. Um, and he leaves the company. Yeah. He just drops the belt, never puts anyone <laughs> over on the way out. Well. Um, it's pretty pretty amazing. Congrats to him. Yeah, that that's that pretty good. And that uh that gets us to issue three, which is the Bruise Cruise, baby. Uh, and I gotta say, uh, they did Cactus Jack dirty in this comic. Did you notice how fat he was in this comic? I'm looking at this, going, who the hell is that? I'm like, it looks like Cactus Jack, but he's like obese. He's like gigantically obese. I'm like, there's no way that's Cactus Jack. That was Cactus Jack. I was like, he's a pretty svelte guy at this time in 1992, but man, they made him look like. Like hell in here. I felt really bad for a one Cactus Jacks. Yeah. Um Sting, um I don't know why Sting had to fight uh Yukon Pete. Big Josh was right there. Um But uh they're on the boat and Sting starts this issue with a match against Yukon Pete, who looks exactly how you would imagine. A dangerous opponent, Yukon Pete. Yeah. Um so this is where really the main storyline of the twelve issue run kicks off. With the WCW ghoul running things behind the scenes. Yeah, whoa, wow. Jack Jack looks like, um, for anyone that was a uh, Homestar Runner fan, Cactus Jack is basically shaped like Strong Mad. He's a square. Like, <laughs> He's so fat. Look at him. He's huge. Um, he's like we also the size of Vader. There's like a scene where <laughs> he's in there with Vader, and he's like as big as him. Or It's insane. Um, I do like um, Sting is kind of an asshole here. Um, he's won this match. The fans are all around him. Fans are like, one more picture, want a soda? Sign this. And Sting's like, sheesh, seen all your matches. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's like, you dork. <laughs> dork Sting ass. can't take this. Roots Cruise, which probably is accurate, honestly. Yeah, I mean, yeah. to be honest, it, it is Steve Borden having to do a cruise with a bunch of dorky wrestling fans, so so I get it for sure. Uh, somebody did share me a screenshot in a later issue where uh, Sting's talking to a, like, a cancer patient, and they're <laughs> like, Sting, can you do anything for me? And he's like, well, uh, I can make you an honorary Stinger. <laughs> and then he's just like, oh, okay. It's like... <laughs> but to be fair, what's he gonna do? It's Steve Borden. He's like, I can't cure cancer, man. Like... I don't know. Yeah, that's Paul Hogan's job. Yeah, like, I don't uh, know. You could be a stinger. Woo! I gotta go. All right, hope you don't die. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> well, they almost died on the Bruise Cruise because Cactus Jack, using money from the WCW Ghoul, has hired the Young Pistols to plant a bomb on oh, the boat. Oh, God. Um, yeah, things get wild. Things get, like, the first two issues, like, the first issue was, like, like you said, it's just kind of like a battle royal and everyone's getting kicked. And then the second issue is like booked like by like Bill Watts like booked it. There's like undercard feuds and like basic structure. And then by issue three, things are just off the fucking deep end here. Um, pretty much the story is Cactus Jack and the Young Pistols put a bomb on the boat. Sting has to run around um, saving various WCW Bruce Cruise contest winners. He takes time to change into his ring gear. Out of some very Miami Vice looking attire. Uh, Rich, did you like seeing Steve Armstrong and Tracy Smothers get uh, such big push? In I a did. Yeah, I did. There was, there was certainly, I don't, I, I wonder how, 
the communication between WCW and Marvel and who they told them, like, these are the guys that need to, you know, be featured. And these are the guys that need to do like, that's what I would love to know because yeah, there's some interesting people that you're like, I don't know why this guy's, but, but like all I'm fine with all the people they push, they push the hell out of Johnny B bad. Uh, they push the hell out of like, uh, you, like you said, the, the young pistols, they push the hell out of some other guys. So I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it's strange though. I don't know how they picked who they were going to push, but uh, I'm not, I'm not complaining. Um, so sting pretty much. Um, I think the bomb turned out to be a fake. Um, if I remember this story correctly, and then Jack and Sting fall off the uh, whatever one of those things at the top of a boat is, and they fall into the ring where Sting defeats his opponent. But the ghoul is still happy because, oh, Sting jumps off and lands on Cactus's big belly and says, <laughs> See, that's what I'm saying. He's so fat. He's so big. How big did they think Cactus Jack was? He's not that big. Um, okay, the bomb is not a fake. It blows up at sea. And then Sting says, your big fat belly just saved my life. <laughs> Marvel hates Mick Foley. Mick Foley, clearly a DC guy, obviously. Um, but then Sting beats him in the ring. And it's it's a lot like the end of No Holds Barred. That it ends in a ring. No one yeah. dies. Um, Sting wins with multiple double stomps. Lots of kicking in this book. Oh, Lots yeah. of they, these men, no, they don't know how to draw wrestling moves. They don't really know how to draw clotheslines. They don't really know how to drive punching. So it's just everyone's drop kicking everybody. Everybody's kicking one another. So yeah, they they uh, they love kicking in this this comic. Yeah, like I said, Ron Simmons eliminates like twelve guys via kicking in, in the first issue. So it's 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 unique. These uh these were a ride. I, I think I'm gonna read the entire series now. At this point, I might as well. I'm already three issues deep. I started peeking at issue four. I think I just got to read the whole thing. So. Um, this, this is a great series, Rich. I'll be curious what you think. There is a storyline that may or may not be linked or a homage to the Black Scorpion arc. There is twists and turns, and the comic actually ends on a total downer. It is a sad ending to this story. <laughs> uh -oh. so, okay. Um, because it only got 12 issues, and then surprisingly it was canceled. I don't know. Well, you bought them, so at least you, you try to keep them in business. But uh, uh, And I wish I still had them. I do. Yeah, well, you didn't know. I mean, that, that, as kids, you just think these things are disposable and you're never going to want them ever again. And yeah, it does. It, it, it Definitely one of those things that you probably regret now of like not having the full run of the WCW Marvel comic just sitting on your bookshelf. But uh, it is what it is. So yeah, thank you so much for recommending these. I knew that these existed, but I have never actually read them, and they are a lot of fun. So I, I appreciate it. There's some real, real fun stuff. They're well drawn, and the stories are kind of fun and interesting as well. So and it features like a great era in WCW. So uh, yeah, these these are a blast. Uh, so I cannot wait to check out the rest of the ones. And yeah, like I said, people can find them pretty easily uh, as well just by searching on uh, various, uh, both nefarious and real platforms as well. You can you can cobble them together. I think pretty well. So. <laughs> Yeah, to be fair, the legal rights for these have to be. <laughs> they should be. It should be public domain at this point, right? Let's be honest. Like, I, like, who, like Winnie the Pooh, it should be allowed to just be seen by the world. They're they're culturally significant enough that you should just be able to download them on like archive.org or whatever. So. Yeah. So yeah, thank you, Rich, for sitting through that. They're a ride. Enjoy the trip. Great time. And that's going to do it here for this flagship. So we went a little bit over, but that's okay because we had a special guest. So we're allowed to go a little bit over uh, uh, today. But uh, before we depart, Aaron, do you want to give your last plugs where people can find you, where people can follow you, uh, and any other good stuff before we, uh, we finally say goodbye? 
Uh, yeah, I don't really do things. Um, I don't have a, I don't have a regular podcast. This is the second podcast I've ever been on. So I want to thank Rich and Joe for having me on. You know, I've been listening to the flagship for a whole long time. And I don't know why I said it like that. Yeah, you're um, one but of the OGs. Always, How long? You're it, at least like eight or nine years, right? You've been here for a long time. For sure. You know, I spent a lot of time with Joe at the Dallas WrestleMania, um, which I'll never forget. And yeah, this, yeah, the community and the podcast and the network has been uh, a whole bunch of my week, a whole bunch of my entertainment during the week. So really great to be on here. The only place I'm really at that is any fun is on Twitter at Miss Aaron Quinn. That's uh, MS, not the full word. Aaron Quinn with two N's and that has links to my YouTube. It has links to any other creative things that I do in and out of wrestling. And if you want to follow the WCW booking, it's pinned right there. There you go. Fantastic. Aaron, thank you so much for filling in here. I did a great job Uh, filled in admirably. And I think we had a lot of fun. I hope you had fun and I hope the listeners had fun as well. So again, at uh, miss Aaron Quinn uh, on Twitter, uh, you can uh, just join the discussion with us at voiceofwrestling.com slash Discord. Of course, you want to make sure to subscribe to all the podcasts on the Voice of Wrestling Podcast Network as well as the Voice of Wrestling uh, Podcast Network feed uh, in total. And uh, yeah, uh, HelloFresh, HelloFresh.com slash VOW16. Uh, and also, if you want more content from Joe and myself, uh, FlagshipPatreon.com is where you can do that. We'll have a, a, a Forbidden Door instant reaction coming up later this month on the $10 tier. So Aaron, thank you so much for filling in here. Uh, Joe will be back next week. uh, But uh, yeah, the door will always be open for the next time Joe's out or the next time health, the next time I'm out, you and Joe uh, do this show too. The door is definitely going to be open uh, in the future for you. So uh, thank you so much for filling in. Uh, We really do appreciate it. And everybody, thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you again next time. Take care.